next week it's gonna look cool <laughs> if, if i next week it going if look I, cool. I, I which i will i'm probably immediately after the I stream mean, gonna figure out why the 6k pro wasn't mine is going it. to be a hundred percent improvement of next week <laughs> that's, that's true. true yeah wash will actually be here next week this week yeah. We have Cleo's camera filling the spot that Wash's camera normally Hi. fills in addition to filling Cleo's uh, spot. Because you fill the spots in my heart. Exactly. So Cleo is also going to be lip syncing every time Wash talks. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wait, that also, was I've never plugged camera. my headphones into the actual like headphone plug on the mic so I can hear my own. I can monitor my own levels as well. Oh, nice. So that's kind of interesting. Nice. I'm excited about this lip syncing stuff. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sing some classic songs as Jebediah Peppermint. Wow. And I expect you to uh, lip sync along. I uh, sure. Yeah, I'll try my best. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to call me baby, then go ahead now. And if you want to tell me baby, then go ahead now. It's more of like a rap thing. I don't really see. Yeah, I don't know much. what that was. That was yeah, that was, it was like yeah. it's like slam poetry. I need some snaps. Give me some snaps. <laughs> Josh, I'm going the I'm going the I can have the microphone as close to my mouth as I want now route. So that's nice. Yeah. You Very can nice. leave that microphone close to your mouth behind. Because if your friends don't leave your microphone close to their mouth, then they ain't no friends of mine. Jeff's musical talents are perhaps not as significant as his arcane ones. Yeah. <laughs> He's a ri- Je- I am I am a writer. I am not a musician. Thank you very much. <laughs> a writer, not a performer, if you will. Yeah, Jeb comes from a time where writers cast performers for their work. They didn't have to all be Ed Sheeran. That's right. I'm gonna fix something to do with my light real I was quick. Just about to be like, what are you looking at? My Jake? light. Uh, it's so this is actually te- this is an old light. <laughs> this is an old old light and i just watched from the time when uh, musicians had jake there my i just i just watched part of it fall apart it's gonna be quick to fix i'll be back in a second okay uh well while jake is doing that uh let's start with uh some introductions since jake's not here to introduce himself yo this is going so, great well this jake's normally at the top so let's go yeah okay i'm josh i'm the wing badger game master i'm going first this time i don't Ooh. normally do that uh, anybody else who wants to tag in, go for it. Hello, I am Trevor. Uh, we are not playing characters tonight, so I have no character that I'm playing. I am just myself. Hey, I'm Wash. We don't have characters to play tonight, but I am a character. So, hi. Hey. And hi, I'm Cleo, playing Wash, and also <laughs> Cleo, at the same time. Nice. <laughs> Let's see if he figures out what to do. All right, buddy, you know what to do. Hi, I'm Jake. I am Jake, and I'm Jake, and I moved into a new place, so I'm a little flustered, but I'm Jake. That's nice. a lot of Jake. Well handled. That, that was good, though. Uh, yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that, that was good. Great pickup. Uh, the Jakey is Jake. We, we find ourselves tonight at the conclusion of an arc, a crime spree, a sort of Sly Cooper-themed little, little heist vibes. Um, a- adventure beginning at the episode called the one where Fox assembles a crew and ending at the one where they break summit tower. Um, I was particularly fond of that episode title because the one before it is the one where they break into summit tower. And then the next episode is the one where I they like break that. summit tower. <laughs> <laughs> Just maybe I like smile. it a lot. Um, I, <laughs> rather than doing the full recap of, of this whole 
mini arc. I would love if we just, for each of us, like top two moments for you as a player in this arc. And then we'll come back to top two story moments. So right now, just think about like your gameplay, things you got to do, whatever that kind of thing. Hmm. I think I can start as the GM if that's easier. If you guys want a little, I, I got one. Um, okay. I think number one for me as Gunner was the massacre. The first time he used the Nomad Guard grenade, um, not because it was a massacre, but because it was fun to use a new item and finally get to like pull it out and like have it like a big beat that was uh, like relevant to what it did and. Um, that was really You're fun. About in the one in the Iron Tomb. Yes. When you used it on the Red Cloaks. Yeah. Yep. So that was really fun. I think I'll have to think of. I should have. I should have thought of both before I started going. I only thought of the one. I'll, I'll come back to me later. I'll have another one. <laughs> From a GM perspective, for sure, my favorite um, moment, like on the meta level or whatever, was um, the reveal that Clara was the sous chef at the gala. Mm. That that was like tippy top for me <laughs> that, yeah, that that was awesome that was a great moment oh I'll, I'll piggyback off of that and say that the moment that we realized that clara had oceans mm. was was mind-blowing for me she she came to me after that session and she was like you know we were talking about the game or whatever and she was like yeah i went back to watch some of the different moments and the look on jake's face <laughs> the first time i said clara wants to use an ocean was so funny that's awesome <laughs> she also told me jake um that she had not realized she normally listens to like the audio version of the podcast or if she's commenting in the chat she's not really watching the screen because she's looking at the rewards and the chat messages and stuff. Sure. So she doesn't normally see everyone's faces. And she was like, yeah, I went back and watched and I was so impressed by how well Jake stayed in character when he was not speaking because for <laughs> 10 and a half minutes, he stood there stirring an imaginary <laughs> soup bowl and occasionally held up the ladle and took a sniff or like sprinkled in some seasonings. It's just like you really That's made an impact. Right I'll say, I'll, yeah. I'll put that as my second favorite. That one was a fun, that was a fun visual bit that I know that the podcast listeners maybe didn't necessarily get, but um, it was definitely fun enough for me to, keep doing it for the entire conversation <laughs> that fox was having um yeah that was fun that's my second yeah, i one. just really respect the level of bit commitment i appreciate that there. i appreciate that yeah i just I think, fixed my um, lighting one of one of my favorite moments was uh the last episode um when we uh were coordinating how to get down to jeb as quickly as possible and then doing the playing out that whole scene you know with the leap of faith and everything yeah it, that was a that was a critical moment right it was a critical i moment. i just think we we didn't if we hadn't had chat vote and and if we hadn't gotten that airdrop and and, and if a lot of things hadn't happened you know we that would have never happened that was it's like a good butterfly effect kind of moment where like if you realize like all the pieces that needed to align in order for it to work well yeah otherwise we would have just killed jeb <laughs> you in fact did kill jeb this this all happened after you killed jeb. Uh, uh, no <laughs> you killed him no he's alive <laughs> he's alive um uh, he is now that's true <laughs> i i will say um i don't know I, I i really like when things like go wrong but like in a good way um but i i will say i think one of the funniest moments to me was after everything at the gala, right? 
with with we we attack this guy he's the head leader we almost took over as him uh we almost impersonated we so him permanently um uh, <laughs> and then for all of that just to culminate in him going out to ask this literal hag his hand in marriage <laughs> i i thought that was a good bit we just like chase him down we're like we have no idea where they're going car could be trying to poison him we don't know what's happening and he's just like will you marry me and the hag's just like ah, i don't know if i can do that uh, can we just well, say we friends? really thought it was it was clara and him yeah for like there's yeah. that was a brief moment where like that was one of the leading theories we had um as as players was like is is clara the one proposing well, to this it was at first it was is clara the the fiance or the girlfriend and then it was like is clara gonna poison him is she switching it with a poison cake yeah we, <laughs> we were like what is we were like Savage. big brain thinking and it was just yeah it was just no i just, she just needed exposure yeah one of the things i really enjoyed watching this this past um mini arc was every time like a new bombshell would hit because of the nature of the heists where we don't really role play out any of the downtime, like everything that was hitting was sort of unexpected and a twist. And so every time I would, I would say something that was like a big reveal, I would flick down to the, the video chat and I would see everyone except whoever was active in that scene would suddenly be typing. <laughs> be in your, like in your message, start trying to figure out what to do next with the new information. Yeah. It just cracked me up. Um, that was a lot of fun to watch. What about um, like just story moments overall, story beats? What was something that you like? Is it a, a twist you loved or a moment that you were really excited to watch play out or you know anything like that? I mean, Jeb coming back to life obviously is a huge one. I think the first reveal that it was a major illusion um, in the with the mimic and everything that was definitely the moment there there was that moment and then it was like all the traps when we were getting into the clock tower were the two moments where i was like ah oh, no josh is on to us like just like <laughs> josh knows exactly what we're gonna do he knows that when we tell him hey we're gonna enter here and we do our little private chat of like okay what are we gonna do after we get in he has guessed already what we're gonna do after we get in like those were the two times where i was like oh man but it was awesome i mean i'm over here thinking i, I like enjoy an <laughs> I enjoy Fox's continuing battle with doorknobs and them being trapped in specific ways. That Listen, was great. All right. You know, I, I will say I my favorite part is maybe a bit meta. I I just love how every session we did was I don't know how much planning went into them, but for a lot of them there was very, very little on our part. Um, well, I would. I, we had I, a plan every single time. I say, Cleo. let me caveat that we had a plan every single time. There was just always a chance that it was thought up ten minutes before that we would live. <laughs> like, I think there because we did. We fit there a lot of a chance, and the chance was significant. <laughs> <laughs> we fit, we fit a lot of planning and thinking into the like five minutes leading up to. Oh going yeah, we came live. up with some like, genius ideas. Don't yeah, get me wrong. We crunch time, baby. All, I'm sure what really was happening was the entire week we were stewing in our minds, brainstorming exactly what we wanted <laughs> mm -hmm. to do, but we would finally just converge yeah, at and, the very end. All the fireworks would fire. Everything was great. Yeah, it was. I agree. One might say collide, yeah. but yeah. you know. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't say that. Anybody else have big story <laughs> moments they, they really enjoyed? Uh, mm. You know, 
I'll have to say, um, I'm, I'm still a little, I, I don't want to go too deep into it, uh, but still a little shocked at what we, ba we did and what I accidentally did as a meta narrative, like <laughs> with, with that very last scene taking down. Yeah, we'll come. We're, okay. we're coming back to that. Don't you worry. That's, yeah, we're, we're going to have to talk about no one's, that. No one's mentioned it, but also rescuing Rex and Sasha. Mm. Yeah, that was, a, that was a big moment. I thought they were dead for sure. When uh, I thought they were the Shadow Warriors were intense. Yeah. Yeah. No, they were inside buildings. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't any tents at all. Uh, well, no, the first the first uh, heist, there was some tents in the rubble of the uh, yeah, but yeah, we didn't fight Shadow Warriors. Umbral Sea base. I I really enjoyed that catwalk fight with the Shadow Warrior. Mm -hmm. That might be my favorite story beat of the of the whole thing. When FP and Fox were great. like on the and the catwalk is unstable and there's some you know like there's the falling in the last minute catch and whatever. And then at the end, there's like, is Fox gonna ride a catwalk down and attack somebody? But he decides not to. It just like, ah, it was it was everything I look for in an anime fight. Yeah, um, yeah, um, it, was, it was it was great. You know, speaking of good character moments, I've been waiting for Wash to bring this up, and he hasn't yet. So I'll bring it up for him. <laughs> um, when FP had a panic attack with yeah. the water, oh my god, oh, yeah. that was fantastic. This is not boring. This is not boring. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Oh dear. And there was a couple moments um, later where Fox would start to have a panic attack because of heights or something, and uh, FP would try to comfort Fox, and I thought that was really sweet. There were usually very brief moments that were kind of passed over for the next action scene, but I thought those were fun moments as well. <laughs> I thought that was a good character I, development. I really enjoyed playing FP. I thought it was cool the way that you, the four of you managed to work into, um, what am I trying to say? The, the way that you like worked RP moments into action scenes. I think that is generally a, a challenge for D and D players is to like, you know, okay, now I'm in fighting mode. Now I'm in playing the character mode. And I think you did a great job of, um, of, of doing both of mixing them together. I think that was really cool. Um, how, how did you feel about mechanics? We, for this one, we did like some, we did some homebrewy things to try and lean into the genre, like the, the, the heist genre. We added in oceans, we added in the pre pre session briefings. Um, and then we took a lot of the prep work off screen. Mm -hmm. Um, how, how did we feel as a group about all those things? I, I loved really oceans. Well. Oceans is such a fun mechanic, and I think Absolutely. that it's it's, it's unbalanced in the best way because a game mechanic doesn't have to be balanced to be fun. And I think it was it was that where it's like, does it all make sense necessarily, or like are the rules enforced consistently, or like is the game economy of Oceans making sense? I don't know, but did it work really really well for the kind of story we wanted to tell, and did it make for really really fun entertainment? Yes, I think that aspect was great i agree 100 percent. the with moment this. that i realized the value of oceans was the moment when the heist was over and wash used oceans to go back and get burritos <laughs> that was the moment when i really saw the value in oceans as a mechanic <laughs> i i still oh. feel like we probably were given too many but like that's not a bad thing i think it was really fun to have them but i definitely ended pretty much every session with at least five like four mm. 
four or five. I will say, I, I think it depended heavily on us not abusing them, right? Um, yeah. The reason yeah. why I, I, I bring that up is because, um, and I think you had good mechanics to avoid that. I will say that. Uh, like the, the fact that a lot of things costed wingle digits whenever we did go back for something. Although we um, did drain our coffers. We did drain our coffers. You ended with exactly <laughs> 160 wingle digits. Yeah. Yeah. But but you got plus one jet. Plus one jet. Yeah, it was worth it. Uh, yeah. if, if you asked me, you know, five, I don't know how much we started with. 5,000, I think, right? Yeah, five or 6,000. Yeah, if you told like me that. all I had to do was pay five or 6,000 wingle digits and I get jet back, pay that in a heartbeat. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. And you get a level up. Chat points out that Jake ended the gala episode without any oceans, that which is was correct. important because he was going to blow up the cave. <laughs> that is that is correct. Uh, um, I think, and I think there was a couple other ones. I think I often ended with like one or two oceans, and then the last one I, when we really went hard on oceans. I think I had like five left. I rarely used them, um, and I I think part of that was just me having a hard time figuring out like what I could truly use them for, and other times just being like, I guess I don't need to use them right now. Mm-hmm. That that was something I was going to bring up is I felt like you you maybe didn't explore the full potential of oceans. I was scared um, to. There were a bunch of there were a bunch of opportunities. Like there were some things that we never saw in an ocean that to me were like, oh, this is where I would have started. Like you guys came up with things I wouldn't have thought of as well. Mm-hmm. But for example, we never saw an ocean where you decided to look at a floor plan of Summit Tower mm-hmm. um, and figure out who's on what floor. We had an ocean where Fox went in and asked the guards, like, which which floors are cool? But we never had one where you're just like, okay, but what's in there? Like, what's in the tower? Uh-huh. We never had an ocean where um, we did any kind of, like, um, building foundation scouting in terms of, like, yeah, I'm going to send a familiar through the ventilation system and try and map out where we could climb inside the tower. So then there were a bunch of times in the middle of the game where I would have thought the next step would be, like, Fox gets posted to um, the basement and then he gets sent for a lap. And I would have been sure that the next move for Fox was, okay, get in an air vent and start rappelling up the tower. Um, And that would have been like two easy oceans of like, yeah, so I need to scope out the building and figure out where the external vents are. And then I need to map out the internal floor vents or find a builder's plan. And we never saw anything like that. We did that Um, in the, or uh, I did that in the gala, but not the summit tower. That's true. We did. You're right. We saw that once in at the gala. Um, but like that kind of thing, I, I think I would have seen a lot. Uh, chat says Josh spent a ton of time putting the tower together. He had a huge amount of the tower planned out in case y'all headed to any particular floor. It was a very busy damn week. <laughs> That's true. He had every that floor worked was, out. Not. Ev- well, yes and no. I knew what was on every floor. But a lot of the things I put in the tower were intentionally multiple floors. Like the hotel was six floors. So mm. all six of those floors are hotel things. Right. So I didn't have to map them all out. Okay. Um, but yes, I knew what was on every floor. You could have picked any number and I would have known what was there. Um, and and I filled it with all kinds of fun opportunities uh, to get yourselves into trouble. But you went to the floors that mattered the most. So, you that know. That works out. Um, yeah. yeah, so that worked out. I'm surprised. But yeah, so we, I, uh, we saved Jeb and got the rods. Like that, and that avoided was... the aboleth in the pool. True. That's true. We're going to find out if that aboleth died tonight, by Ooh. the way. That's one of the things we're, that's coming up. Yay. Uh, Wait gonna, a minute. We're going to do some rolls and see if that aboleth what? escaped. That's really bad if it died. Why is that? Zombie aboleth. Zombie aboleth! Yeah! <laughs> 
Like, cause, cause the, cause oh. the, the, at the very end, uh, character raised dead. You, <laughs> Chat says you death be ever before so Aleph. Kind, <laughs> if you would be ever so kind, please don't give the DM ideas. Yeah. Yeah, why are you doing this? Come on, Cleo. Yeah, it's an idea he already has. I know uh, how he I, thinks. Uh, he's always he's uh, always one step uh, ahead yeah. in that regard. <laughs> Anyway, he's always, always doing uh, weird crap like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I also felt pretty positive about Oceans. Um, I think we maybe did have too many. I would rather have had too many than yeah. not enough because I wanted you to use mm -hmm. them. Um, if it were something we were going to keep in the future, I think I would eliminate the guaranteed Oceans where it would just be like, hey, for each prep day you do, you get a D4. Um, oh, sure. And oh, shit. So, you know, like, because it if we were going to use them in the future and you and we weren't in the heist trope then it would be more like hey we want to prepare for a day or um like when you went to udril and you were like hey we're going to send abercrombie and his finch to do recon for two days before we get there instead of him doing a report to you you could have had 2d4 oceans okay. gotcha. or something like that hmm. so um which actually that's a good question do we want to keep oceans chat what's your opinion on oceans do you think they were fun enough to watch that we should keep doing them or no I Personally, I, I think it's a mechanic that's really fun for the trope thing. I don't know if I necessarily want it as a gimmick in my standard D&D, &D, if that makes sense. Like, I think it's fun, yeah. but I think it's an extra dimension that I think could potentially take me almost out of the role play in a more serious or a more mainline story thing. You know, I will say... I could see that. Um... I'm for using them again, and but like I think it would matter when we use them, right? If we're going to do something that requires a lot of prep, like an like a uh, we're preparing for a battle, or, or like a big delve, or a big delve, or you know something that where that makes more sense, I, I'm I'm good with. But like on the generic D and D level, I think part of it is that it removes a lot of the it gives a safety net where i think in some cases doesn't make sense right because that's what it is in the end of the day it's a safety net for either poor planning or just not noticing something right away and so we can be like ah but i use an oceans and i i land in the safety net or ah, i use the oceans and i i can now figure out wiggle my way out of this without too much effort it's like another spell another tool in your repertoire and i i think right now as it is I think Jake's right for most cases, like we should be limited to the tool set we already have where oceans might just be a little too powerful for the generic D and D. Right. I also think I could see that. Like if, if we're planning on like continuing the sort of like following a trope, then each individual trope we choose will have its own individual trope mechanic that goes Ooh. in place of it. So I don't think we should have overlapping trope mechanics. Because yeah, then you, get, sure. you probably just create some weird edge cases. That's another thing. I like we'll this idea. At the end, chat, just so you know, is we're going to figure out what the next trope is. All right, go ahead. Rich. I like this idea of having like a special mechanic for a for a type of session. So like since Fox has already gone through like all of these heists and stuff, like in the future, if we need to infiltrate something, or if we need to heist something, Ooh. Fox is like Maybe Fox has an sounds ocean, like it's time for a heist. But that's it, or it sounds like sounds like it's time for a heist, and then you know Fox has like a couple oceans for that episode or something. That's fun. That is fun. I like it. Um, 
another thing that we did is the like pre-session briefings. Um, I don't know that they, I, I guess I actually, I'll shut up and let you guys have your <laughs> opinions before I say my opinion. Um, how do we feel about those and the, the idea of giving game relevant information to the players or to one player in order to have them relay it before, like at the beginning of the session, basically instead of me doing a GM recap, it's more like an in-character moment going over was, what everyone needs. Was to that know. what it was supposed to be doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said that every week too. I thought um, it was meant to but, be like a bit. I thought that was the bit. Well, it was a bit, but then also it was like the weeks where you had stuff happen off screen. And I was like, remember some stuff happened off screen, but Fox is going to tell you all about it in the briefing. And then you didn't. So I just rolled with it. And was like, all right, I guess we're going into the session now. No one's going to know. I uh, thought but there's it a was bunch a of bit. unanswered questions for listeners. in those episodes. Oh, <laughs> Wow. Okay. That's, that's all on me. All right. That's all on me. I thought it was part of the bit. Um, I actually, I actually, if it helps any, um, I thought the one where you jumped over to bruiser and he talked about your experience following FP through the, um, like with the vaults. Uh, I, I thought that one was funny for the opposite reason. I had just recapped the really short one so that he could just talk about the vaults. And I was like, but, but, uh, bruiser will tell you about the other one. And then bruiser like bullet for bullet read through the first thing I had said as well. So you got like the same recap twice before we got to what bruiser was going to brief you on. I was just like, ha ha. Uh, anyway, we're, we um, only live in extremes here at wing badger tavern. That's right. It's either we over explain or we don't explain at all. <laughs> well, okay. So then, pretending we had done that, what do you think of that idea? Do you do you like that okay. concept? And should we I do think it? the concept is a good concept. Maybe if uh, we were all on the same page about it, um, <laughs> I I was not. I was on a different book, and I apologize. <laughs> They were funny. I especially liked your idea to be like, "Hey, okay, so if we encounter Jeb, this is what we're gonna do." And then I cut you off with the bumper. I I I I was like, I think I was about to pull up something else and say something, and you cut me off even before I was expecting to be cut off. I was like, damn, <laughs> you just gotta go with it. Got him. Uh, I, I the briefing and the dossier like aspect of it, I think was really was really fun. However, um, I felt bad that because all of us have different schedules and stuff, sometimes throughout the week beforehand, Josh would need info from us in order to prep and we'd all be like, kind of like last minute getting stuff to him. So that's the only aspect of it that I didn't like because I felt bad <laughs> about I think it, if that makes sense. But I thought that the, um, like the player engagement elements of it were really fun. So I've actually, I've been thinking about that and I think, uh, maybe, maybe we can figure this out off screen um but i thought perhaps maybe we just need to schedule a halfway night um maybe like uh sometime towards the tail end of the week or something where it's just like 30 minutes or an hour where we can just go over all of this stuff like all the questions we have about the dossier and we can brainstorm together because we're gonna we're gonna go through that where a lot of us were figuring it out if we did right read over things it would be over like the course of days or you know, many hours as we reply like at asynchronous times. Right. Or there'd just be like one or two of us that formulated stuff about it. So I think if we just had like a scheduled time that was off screen, uh, where we could just sit down and talk about it for like 30 minutes, and that's it. Just 30 minutes. Something small. Like a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. This 
a meeting. Another schedule meeting. a Zoom. <laughs> Uh, schedule a Zoom. Said, Cleo, do you think I want more meetings in my no. life? <laughs> I, I keep my Outlook calendar up to date. Just send an invite. It'll show you my availability. Oh, yeah. I use my Google calendar. So yeah. Chat says, Clara's dossier was totally crucial to playing the character. Thanks for putting that together. There's a lot of things that Clara knows about that Willa definitely doesn't. And the dossier filled in the gap nicely. I definitely think for anyone who guests with us, I will always put together a dossier like that for them because it was a really easy way for me to get all the relevant information for the character or the NPC like into one place. Um, so that's for sure a given. So either way, don't don't worry about that. Um, I'm excited to riff off a little bit on Sorry, Washko. No, you're fine. I'm going to riff off a little bit on on what Jake said. I I liked that it was there, but I felt like my time availability meant that I couldn't take advantage of it. Like, I think, what was it, like, what was it, guys? Like, maybe, like, the first week or, like, the second one, I just kind of absorbed it and brain-dumped it out for everybody to yeah. kind of digest. Yeah. And that, like, that whole process felt really good. Um, and I felt like we were probably more organized on that one. Sure. But I, I just didn't have the time to it. And so, so like Jake was saying, I kind of felt a little bad that you went through all of this work and were, like, waiting on us for the input and then we just kind of flew by the seat of our pants most of the times anyway. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a given to like, you know, it's the nature of the beast that, you know, D and D is about four times as much work for the GM, even though there are four players um, just in mm. terms of the amount of prep and things you have to be ready for. And because you, you're trying to build the world in front of the players and you don't know if they're going to go up, down, left or right. So you need all four, you need at least one step on all four paths. Sure. Um, but at the same time, it was like, I think it was still, helpful in that we were able to skip to the dungeon every time yeah um, yeah and even if it like was thrown together from your end when we got to the dungeon um the difference between a one shot and a three shot is whether we start at the dungeon true um that is i, true. I have discovered in this past Remember, experience uh, because by the end of it we were down to our normal two-hour sessions but we could do the whole dungeon and that's something that is really challenging because two hours is just not enough time for four people to explore a whole dungeon. But we were we were there, and I think it was because we had those that that prep off screen. We also didn't like do you know I, I, this. I reiterate what we've already said multiple times over many tavern talks. But the fact that we're on stream and have an objective, right, really helped nail down the play time a bit. Whereas like if this yeah. was just like between friends and casual. I, I'm sure there's many times where we would have just been like, I'm going to just go F around over here just to see what happens, or I'm going to search every single floor. And, <laughs> you know. The very second session that Cleo ever played with me playing D&D, Cleo's character was like five XP behind everybody else <laughs> and decided, like, I'm just going to go take a walk this evening. And I know that deep down inside you, that that D and D player is still there lurking. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, um, what what do you feel like was the biggest challenge of the arc for you personally? That could be mechanical, it could be narrative, it could be whatever. Mm. But like, what was you know a hard thing to role play or whatever? I don't know, whatever it was. That is a great question. I, I think. Oh yeah, go ahead, Cleo. I was just going to say, I, I, I think um, I definitely felt a little weird role-playing Fox in this scenario. Um, I feel like I did a couple of things that, while on the surface level, weren't very apparent. But how I understand Fox was a little harder to do, if that makes sense. 
It doesn't. Can you expand? Okay. Um, <laughs> so there were certain actions that I think I just brushed over or did that I think Fox normally wouldn't have done or would have done so quickly. Um, mm. And I, th I think like a couple of them were just like how okay he was with a lot of the the murdering we were doing um especially after the gala episode um which i felt like put a more of a personal face on a lot of the people we kill like it's one thing we're we're like trying to go do some stuff and these people come out of nowhere and start killing us right we gotta kill them back um but it's another when i show up at their house essentially and like while they're doing their this is supposed to be the easy job i just walk around you know me and Mike, we play cards after work, after patrol, and it's not too bad. Barkley. Yeah, and 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 uh, damn, and we're just like, sucks to work for that job, I guess. Cause you're dying today. <laughs> you dropped a tower on Barkley. Yeah, I hope it comes out peacefully and quietly. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, piggybacking off of what Cleo said, I think it's, <laughs> it's hard to role play like the sort of killing part of D&D where it's like, ah, oh, yes, monsters. But when it's like people who are the, the bad guys, like having that sort of separation from like our personal values, but like, and then add trying to substitute our character's values and like what is normal for the world that's different than like our world and all that. So I think it's like we I will say we did draw the line a couple times, though, very briefly and sometimes brushed aside. Um, which my what clock tower was one, um, and where there was two maintenance people, and I know Gunner was just like, "Hold up a second, FP, we're not about to grenade <laughs> two mechanics," yeah. even though that's not what the grenade was. I think. Um, yeah, that that reminded me of something Willow brought up after the last stream, um, where it, everyone was sort of reeling from what had been done. Um, and well, actually maybe we should come back to that. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, w Willa pointed out that in that exchange where Gunner stops FP from throwing the grenade and, and FP is like, no, nah, this one was just entangled. It's going to be fine. And FP like calls him out. Like you should trust your teammates. And Gunner's like, well, that's really hard for me. But next time you do something with a grenade, I will trust you. And, and then the next time FP does something with a grenade, it was blow up summit <laughs> tower and Gunner like acted you know what i mean there was no second guessing and i don't know if you were trying to play that in the character in the moment uh my <laughs> guess is that you probably weren't because it seemed like kind of a throwaway interaction between the two of you after after the session but um but it kind of helps explain why like maybe why that chain of events would have happened so for me uh the first interaction was to me not a throwaway interaction uh the the interaction with fp about the grenade and then the you know you got to trust your teammates and gunner saying i that's i'm not used to that that was probably the one time i ever even referenced gunner's backstory because there just wasn't very much chance to do so otherwise like there just wasn't anything that mm -hmm. felt like a natural lead-in so that was the one time where i felt like i was able to reference this idea that like gunner was this demolition specialist who loves pulling heists and loves blowing things up and his last crew that had been together for a long time ended up all betraying each other double crossing each other and then he was looking for a job after that and that's how i found four guys and so that's like the one time i, I was able to reference that the second time though with the all right gunner's gonna listen to fp and do this that was more of a 
knee-jerk, like, subconscious, like, Gunner wasn't going to suggest this, but now that FP has, it feels right that uh, that Gunner would be like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that what I wasn't specifically thinking about the previous interaction of like, okay, next time I will trust you. I was more just thinking about how throughout that whole session, FP seemed to have taken the reins as far as the leadership role. And so Gunner and Gunner had been listening to him the entire time up until that point. So I was like, it'd be inconsistent of him to say no now. Um, right, but that was that was a decision making for me at that point. With um, FP, there was a like. I was I was trying to my best to play him as an unintelligent, but capable character. You know, like somebody somebody who you know, an adult baby is essentially <laughs> mm-hmm. what I was. You know, like like with the, with the capabilities and the cognition. But like the cognitive abilities of adult, of an adult, but like with very little experience, and and I think his monotone nature almost gave him a bit of a commanding personality. But he was never really trying to like be in charge of anything, uh-huh. and and I would intentionally give him kind of bad ideas, like bad in the bad in the idea that like. Like it's very simplistic, um, you know. Like, like with the whole thing in Summit Tower, um, he was operating under the pretense that Jeb was very capable, and so if this was going to be successful, it needed to be very, like, drastic. Like, like it needed to be a, a very powerful encounter for for Jeb to to make it through. Uh, he was expecting Jeb to, to completely survive that with flying colors and us still have to confront him. Like, he was just trying to weigh him down. Um, but again, like, with that inexperience and, and him just working with secondhand information uh, and, and there being a time crunch, we already established that he's oh God. he's a little panicky under under time crunches. It just kind of, like, all fell together. FP has no sense of scale as to, like, what <laughs> destructive power is. Ex- exactly, because it's like, yeah. oh, this, this guy's a threat. We're activating instant kill mode, warp him over here, and shank him through the torso. <laughs> like... Like it's it's not about like subtleties with FP. It's he's very binary. I I will say Chat says he's naive. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I didn't realize it, but yeah, no. FP just had the moment of like he's a legend. He'll survive, and just <laughs> <laughs> threw the world at him, of of like world of damage, and I he didn't. <laughs> I will say it is the closest I think I've come to overruling a serious dice result is on whether Jeb died or not because if he had lived the spell he was trying to cast was Bigby's hand mm. he was going to catch the elevator as it fell and throw it back at you um, mm-hmm. and I just thought the cinematic of that was really yeah. dope but in the end I decided to like it was just such a significant explosion and whatever that I, I <laughs> let the dice win as I usually do um, but it's the closest I've come because there there was a really cool moment in there mm-hmm. um but but yeah. there ended up Anytime being a really get, cool moment after it's still yeah and it still was um i and i've said this before but anytime we get near player character deaths i always try and be like really strict yeah. with like the dice are going to do what they do the rules are exactly how they're written that kind of thing i think um, um piggybacking off like the backstory thing i think one thing that didn't really come out well with with the the format of of this is just like 
we didn't really have any heart to hearts where you're like getting to know the characters really well. Mm-hmm. Willow kind of brought it up. Um, and like, like, like with Bruiser, you just had what he said during the introduction. And there was like a very small moment that Bruiser, like I, I tried to play it, but not like oversell it. Uh, when we saved Rex and Sasha and we were in the, in the um, cave and stuff. But it's it's something that probably isn't noticeable unless you actually know. And it's it's also like that's probably the trade off of starting at the dungeon every yeah. time. Is that you don't get as many of the the moments where everyone pauses and like, wow, that was crazy. Yeah. You know, let us bond over our trauma. I mean, this is yeah. this I mean, the the way that we did it is like a blockbuster action movie or spy movie or heist movie where um, a lot of those movies, you don't get any character development. Damn. They're kind of all all vibes, no plot, or you know, like no character <laughs> kind yeah. of things. Um, and I think that that's a fun thing to do. And I'm glad that we did it over like I don't know, was it like six sessions or something like that? Um, I think it was six because I think that's a great length of time to do that. At the same time, I am excited to see in a more standard setting where we're able to role play a lot more, like we did before. Um, I'm excited to see like what Fox and Jeb's first interactions back with each other are going to be like and let those like moments sit and really yeah. let the emotions kind of take hold. I was going to say, I, I just realized that a sick thought, um, and like <laughs> awesome that, you know, and what if we had <laughs> used an ocean? <laughs> yeah. Sick thought. Um, what if we had used an ocean to have one of those moments? <laughs> right. Like that I have been cool. Like just been like uh, mid heist and and I have an oceans where I just sit back and talk to like Gunner over breakfast, <laughs> you know. That'd be that'd be fun. I mean, FP kind of did that with his conversation with Radford. Mm. Um, when it came, like I knew our our downtime heart to heart moments were going to be far and few in between, and and I was in, in the back of my mind, I kept having like that scene in in heist movies or whatever where it's like two guys are in the ventilation shafts and they're waiting for the thing to happen like that's when the heart terror happens or it's like they both get through the lobby and they're in the elevator and they've got like five floors with the duffel bag and they're you know they're that's that's where the character development happens so i tried to make an effort where where that kind of stuff took place in those places but I rolled too many ones, and, uh, <laughs> I, but I feel like we had, I feel like we had a couple, a couple moments like that. Um, we just didn't really get to to unpack. It was more of like, we. I think a lot of those times we took planning or you know making up for the lack of planning that we had. Yeah. Hmm. Speaking of things that happen in elevators, uh, I missed a a highlight of this mini arc for me, which is fake maintenance, Jake. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fake maintenance, so, Jake, is so the good. best. So quick on his feet. That's <laughs> awesome. That was an aspect of Gunner that hadn't gotten explored yet, where Gunner is a mastermind rogue, which I took because of, like... Um, I felt like it sort of fit what he was doing, but also I was like, in order to be a good demolitions expert on a heist, you have to be able to blend in and get to where you need to go in order to like subtly place the explosives and whatever. So his trapper background took care of the skills for the demolition part, but his whole subclass is all about 
imitation, studying people, being able to blend in, all in a very persuasion and intimidation type way, not necessarily in a stealth type of way. That's why you hardly ever saw Gunner make any stealth checks. He was always just trying to blend in. Uh, and that really, I'm glad that in the last two sessions that got to be explored where like his whole, like mastermind rogues have like a feature where they can take the accent and the voice of like anyone they study for a minute and they're yep. really good at like changing body, you know, body movement, like, you know, that sort of thing to blend in. And I thought that was really fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was so fun to watch too. I lost it when you did. I had to like role play the other end of that radio and it was so hard for me to keep a straight. You can see in the like video of it, you can see me like trying. So that's why I covered my face when I did the radio. It was like, cause you can't see me grinning. Like an idiot yeah. the whole time. <laughs> um, uh, let, let's talk about predictions on the implications of this adventure. Uh, the first one that, and you can, you can have other ones that you think might, might have serious implications. These are just the ones that came up to me when I was sort of coming up with like my little bullet points of what to talk about tonight. What is the significance of the airship being gone during your heist? If it's significant at all, like, what does that mean? Okay. Obviously, um, somebody's getting effed up by some shadow warriors. I, <laughs> I, I don't know what else it means, but I, I'm just saying somebody ordered the wrong thing okay it could have something to do it's with the, the amazon vaults. drone delivery <laughs> like what it, was that it, sorry it could have something to do with the vaults like transporting Ooh. goods um or retrieving goods maybe somebody important was being whisked away uh, it was probably top from sav yeah maybe he had somewhere to go left without his crab yeah yeah why would yeah, he his crab was there to defend I don't know. He's seen that seemed less like that a guard crab dog. Is probably dead. And more like a very awesome crab that he loved and cherished and is now is very dead. Is well, it's a, it could be a zombie, I guess. That crab had more hit points than Jeb did. <laughs> <laughs> we should have dropped the crab the down the elevator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just switch places. Jeb's the guard dog, and, and the crab was really the one. We came the here crab for. is one of the vaults. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the the real friends were the crab we met along. Ah, uh, yes. The real Jeb was the crab. Uh, what about what about the the towers collapse on a personal level for Fox, Jeb, and Allen, or for four guys as an organization? Uh, we this was discussed in a text chat. I don't know if it was visible to if it's visible to other people uh, or not. Um. I think the thing about the tower falling for Allen is like, oh, wow, that's crazy. I've been there, but not as much like the library falling or something like that, where it's like, that's my childhood home. That is like really mm -hmm. close to my heart. The fact that that happened is like a really foundational tragedy to me. The tower falling in a four guys uh, kind of mission to extract Jeb and successfully extracting Jeb and multiple parts of the rods, I think Alan at this point will be like, well, that's the cost of war. We're playing dirty right now. You know, like it's kind of scorched earth. And, th and this is the kind of conflict where I think it's worth going scorched earth against like, we just have to do what we have to do. So I think Alan's going to be not like condoning it. Like that was a good idea, but like a, wow, that's crazy. Well, all right. Like, Let's keep uh, moving forward. But but we moved a lot of chess pieces into place because of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I think from a, a four guys like company standpoint, it really depends on who gets to control the narrative of this whole thing, and like mm-hmm. uh, who, like like what what the narrative is about it. Because it's like if people know that we're with four guys, then it could come back to haunt us because it's like oh well. Four guys just demolish. You guys are terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's I mean, like, there there aren't very many witnesses, if any. Aren't. Just saying. But like, if the city's like, it was this. Uh, what was it? The the um, silver fang. No, the, the black, black fang. Black yeah. fang. Yeah, but if they're like, this is the black fang. That's really great for four guys because you know they get all of the the things they were going after without having to deal with the the like, consequences of our decisions. Not the consequences, they just don't have to deal with the PR of it. Like, there are still going to be consequences of, you know, the Black Fang having now, like, 200 plus zombie private security goons. And but it's not pretend- four guys. Where did, okay, did, did, was it specifically said that they were raising the dead when... No. Yeah, okay. That's just the assumption. I thought, they, I thought, okay. I thought it was said. The dossier mm-hmm. said that they were necromancers, and Josh in... What okay. we didn't see at the end was that they were collecting the bodies and bringing them okay. Okay. Oh. I, I just wanted to make sure we weren't drawing too many conclusions because I couldn't remember a specific like and then they started making zombies. But yeah, I okay. thought that was that a reasonable sense. conclusion to draw, but maybe they I, that's fair. I legitimately for some odd reason well, thought that they just raised the undead and then just had them march into the tunnels. Well, magic doesn't exist there. I mean, unless they've got like zombie ciphers of some kind, like there would ha- like something like that would have to come into play. Yeah. Let me go back down to your conspiracy board here. I'll find the Black Fang's little blurb and read it for you. And also, just so you know, chat, if you care to look at their conspiracy board with all their clues, you actually can see it. We've made our our between games chat visible in the Discord, so you can react. But like, you can't post in there because it's mostly for players to work out logistics on stuff. Um, but for things like this, when there are like um, visual aids or whatever, I, I link them in there for the players, which means that you can also click on them if you want them. So there's never any game breaking info in there. You don't have to worry about seeing spoilers. Um, but you could see things like, oh, I wonder what their little, you know, their their post-it note that about way, the, the Shadow Warriors says. If you notice whatever. something that we all forgot or brush over, you can like spam it in chat mm-hmm. and be like, you fools, you absolute buffoons. <laughs> That's exactly how we want you to say it. Yes. Too. Yeah. I mean, Josh has reminded us on several occasions of things we missed in season one that we still haven't gone back to figure out. There is one that that one that I talked about. It's still out there. <laughs> um, the truth so is out there. in case the chat doesn't know or, it, you know, if you haven't heard of this, uh, evidently there is like a game defining moment that happened in season one, a clue that we have never like followed up on or focused on or just plain forgot about that it's evidently like very important essential essential. and we are just it's like that moment when you played the tutorial but it wasn't the tutorial and it was actually (laughs) part of the game and if you had just gone over and clicked on the closet the closet would have opened up and given you one of the major items one of the MacGuffins Mm. you need to beat the game and we're just we're like anyway yeah the old man said before you leave here go into this cave real quick and get a thing and we were like cool and we walked on past <laughs> something like and that. we don't yeah. remember where the cave i think is. i did that in elden ring <laughs> the black fangs yeah. are a secretive cult that specializes in using magic to further their interests their leader the secretive high priestess Celine, has a ghoulish appearance and is rumored to have made a pact with dark forces 
The fangs operate out of a hidden temple in the city center where they conduct arcane rituals and conduct experiments on their enemies. I'm sorry, on this in the city sewers um, and conduct experiments on their enemies. The black fangs are notorious for their kidnapping and human sacrifices, and they seek to bring magic back to Urida by finding the proper sacrifice and ritual to an entity on the nine hells. Um, that is their oh. their their deal. So maybe not. So how does then. how does demon magic work if there's no weave? Uh, maybe it doesn't. I don't Demon know. That's weave. just what they're up to. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Who's, who said cult things had to make sense? I was gonna say <laughs> the maybe cult. they've somehow made some sort of warlock type pact. What if what if they sacrifice the abolith to the demons and then the demons rise up? Ooh. What if they were working for an abolith? Stop giving him ideas. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Wash, Wash is like over there like... None of us have tried to play a warlock yet. True. We haven't seen whether warlock magic would work in, in this weird... Um, what if in Howland's little side quest, well, one of us plays a warlock. an undercover black fang Ooh. warlock? Ooh. I will Spice say, I, I believe I, I did check warlock. Maybe I didn't ask uh, d probing enough questions, but I believe I did ask the DM about warlock things. I thought... Ah, I I wasn't gonna out you as the person who asked, but I was gonna say somebody did ask me about warlock, and I was very clear to them that if you can't communicate with your patron, then your patron's unable to give you things. Gotcha. So most of warlock is defunct in a magicless world. Yeah, that most. makes sense. Um, yep, chat, you have it exactly right. You can't connect with the gods, so how would you connect with a patron? That is precisely the problem. What that if Warlocks your patron is your best friend? You subscribe you for five dollars a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my patron um, is is Wiggle Digits. What What about um, for Jeb Wash? Do you feel like the collapse of the tower has any personal implications for Jeb if he finds out? I mean, I think Jeb was growing some morals. You know, <laughs> I think he. I think he started. I mean, this is you know, if we think back towards yeah. the beginning. He started off having having very solid morals, and then things got hard. And he was like, when we found him, he was probably like neutral good. I I remember I remember um, him robbing a, a bank. Yeah, I think we saw true chaotic uh, for a lot. Yeah, of his maybe early maybe journey. more chaotic good, maybe chaotic good, and then he kind of like dipped down into like neutral or chaotic neutral. Um, but then, you know, after after his, you know, development with Zoth and with Fox, he's kind of moving back up, up towards good. But I think, honestly, he would probably take a page out of Owlin's book with the whole scorched earth idea. Like, I don't think he he desires to, you know, for wanton destruction and death. Um, but. You know, if he looked at the summit tower and was like, these jerks putting their base of operations mm. in a hotel with, you know, like, like it's almost like uh, the, the enemy army setting up their base of operations in a, in a hospital. Mm -hmm. And, say. you know, like, like th and that that doesn't necessarily give you the right to go in there and bomb the hospital, you know. Or whatever, but it's like they're they're playing super dirty, and he's not above getting his hands dirty. That draws some uncomfortable if parallels necessary. if you think about it. Like, 
Yeah. Chat says, <clears throat> yeah. Chat says, Jeb's been carrying the weight of his daughter's death. I'm concerned that these deaths would really mess with him, but also he doesn't seem concerned with harming others during their missions. But he has the unique perspective of being the one who was kidnapped and tortured, so it would be easy to throw out the whole thing since he knows these were really bad dudes. It also, I think, well, depends. Like, does Jeb remember everything that happened while he was under their spell, or is it like hmm. an amnesia situation? I'm glad that you asked. There's a mechanic for that. Um, Wash, however much of that you want to share, you're welcome to. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to keep that in my pocket for later. Okay. okay. But to touch on to touch on Jeb you know, having to deal with his daughter's death and stuff, we've already, we've already pre-established that Jeb is kind of selfish. You know, for a while there, his, his goal was almost like done where he was like, well, I've got my magic, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of cool with that. Like if, if magic doesn't come back to the world, then that's all right. Um, and, and then when we found out about souls not being able to pass, pass on, he's, I mean, he would be cool with being the one or part of the ones who brought that back, but really he cares about his daughter and his friends. And and so he's he's not he's not like this selfless hero. He's very much invested in what he considers important. And that I think that leans more to his neutral chaotic side. Uh I I, I think that actually makes like a very good grounded character, you know. <laughs> I, I think it's rare you find like a very hero character, right? That's just like, I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do. It's usually like, I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do, but mostly because it's also the right thing for, you know, the things I care about uh, directly. Um, that's a, I would say that's Zoth, a really was that. Zoth was the, was the selfless, selfless hero for a long time, I think. Yeah. Um, what, what about <laughs> Fox? Like, what's next for Fox? Because if we remember, Fox started this journey because he decided he wanted out of like the real quest. He was almost like a, I mean, part of it was his loyalty to Jeb and part of it, at least the way that I felt like you framed it, it seemed like part of it was kind of like an escapism thing for him. And like he and Alan even left on sort of tense terms where Alan was like, I don't agree with your decision, but like, you know, you are who you are and I support you. And like, you know, that's fine. I hope you find Jeb. Right. Um, but it was like, there was some tension there and Fox was like, I'm done trying to save the world. I'm just going to get Jeb. Like, what does Fox do now? He has Jeb. You know what I mean? Like, what? And the majority of the rods of seven parts. That too. Which, okay, so that was like an interesting thought, right? Um, which, for a while, even though I was in Abolith territory, Fox didn't have to worry about it, right? I'm just here for Jeb, right? Screw everything else. I'm just here for Jeb. And I think the Summit Tower changed Fox in a lot of ways, <laughs> Um, and I, I think the first one that happened was realizing the gravity of, of why, like he's in their headquarters. There are so many things here that four guys, ventures and vibes could, could profit from and, or just like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, right? Like this could really further the cause of getting rid of the abolists. Um, and getting, you know, three of the seven rods is huge on that list. Which is why, you know, I, I think towards the tail end there of part one or starting part two session, right? That's why Fox decided, all right, I can't ignore it, right? Like, I can't ignore being here is also like we're within grasp of three rods of seven, right? 
that would give us i think there's only one missing and we would have the majority of them yes i mean one is with the king of udril but yeah you you or your allies would have six of the seven pieces right or do do you did do it yeah. so yeah you have six of the seven pieces so i i can't ignore that so that's why my first thought was fox you know what he's he's here for jeb and he's gonna get jeb and whether or not that kills him it's the the bend he's decided to lay on right like he went through all of this to to get jeb and um and he's already a little uncomfortable with some of the the people they've had to to kill along their way because like you said before it was always like you know we're oh we're we're kind of just you know breaking into these like big bads area and they're, they're the big bads and it's very black and white um and i think after the gala it made him think like man these people are just people man and they're not aboleth controlled they're not evil people necessarily um some are here for the paycheck and i i think he was already growing uncomfortable so this was going to be his last hurrah and then uh, it, it it just didn't turn out to be that because Jeb was actually an illusion and um, and you guys instead of getting out got it uh, you know entangled further in inside the tower and it just didn't work out the way he thought but he thought if he just gave the rods to you guys and you guys got out then the world's save, being saved would be furthered and I'd still be able to try to save Jeb um, and the fact that we got both done uh I think confuses Fox a bit. Um, I'm not sure what he's going to do. I'm going to be honest, especially once he finds out what happened to the tower and all the people in it. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think he will try and attune to one of the rods? Uh, he he's already started to. <laughs> That's true. All right, so he's leaned into the whispers from the the rod of charisma there. At first, he but he's also got the rod of dexterity. Right, like technically, FP has the rod of dexterity. I, yeah, I should say that crew, that that group of people has <laughs> has yes. dexterity. But like, you know, part of me's thinking like, at the time, it was like, okay, this is a tool that'll help me escape this room, right, or help me find Jeb. And now, once he started to actually attune to it, and the, the attunement process had the ability to start, he realized like, this is this will set me on the path of saving the world whether i like it or not i will then become chat says fox needs to shepherds off to the next plane <laughs> Ooh, that would be uh, fun it, it's i don't know it's, i'd love to, to to explore more with fox and Zoth. that was a fun duo i think i'll have to decide it in character in the moment next time i play fox i i think that's just how it's gonna have to be because right now there's this Fox just really does not want to be a part of this anymore, especially um, after the amount of people he killed to get it done. Mm. So, um, you don't necessarily, I mean, it would be nice to figure it out tonight, but it doesn't have to be tonight, but I do need you to decide sometime. Cause I need to know where he reintroduces into Alan's timeline. If he does. Ooh. Um, okay. Fair it's enough. It's not, like I said, you don't need to. I mean, you guys were adventuring for almost three weeks, maybe even four weeks of, of in-game time. So it's not like we need to know for the first session, but I do need to know in terms of where he's going to go. Especially with however long it takes for Owlin to finish the tuning to the intelligence. I wrote down rod. a couple guesses for myself of what I thought Fox might do. 
Um, I think there's the possibility that Fox is going to try and go west uh, because he knows that's where Garlel and Setonia are. And he's like, they can at least keep these rods safe and I can then bow out. Um, but he might meet up with Alan's company out there. I think there's a chance that he'll try and head west central and try to meet up with Willow um, and maybe even try and leave the company or convince Jeb to leave with him. So he, cause I remember there was this big speech Fox gave Alan of like, I just need my people and that's all I care about. Like maybe he's just trying to get his people all in one place and then everybody hunker down and see if it blows over. Um, I thought there was a chance that he might head back east to Gaim uh, and to Laredith with the rods um, with the idea of like, maybe he's trying to shepherd Zoth soul or like, maybe this can help or, you know, like, like looking for, for the knowledge of like, can this do something? Um, but also I, you know, those, those are not directives to you. Those were just guesses I had of like, what might Fox do next? I, um, do you think, go ahead. I, I think it's going to highly depend. One of the things uh, you didn't mention is Fox hasn't seen his parents in a long time. And, all of this going back for Jeb made him realize like he should go see his parents. <laughs> like as well, cliche as that is, once in a while. Yeah. Um, as, as cliche as it is, like I, I, I think getting to just get in contact with his parents and make sure that they're okay. Because at first, you know, he had this kind of like misplaced, uh, just disgust for his parents of like, oh, they're boring. And and they just want to live peacefully out here and do nothing with their lives. And and I wanted to do something with my life. The whole reason I left the town, right, was to go and find an adventure and explore and, and do stuff and have the freedom to do whatever I needed to or whatever I wanted to, right? Instead of being held He's back full by, circle. by, by like, these moralities of, like, you know, oh, everybody needs to be loved and, and you know... Because it was a very hippie commune, if I remember correctly. Yes. Uh, yes. And and his parents were a big part of that. So, yeah, a lot of misplaced disgust for that. Um, and I think that was just him being fed up with not knowing what to do with his life. So now that he's gone through all this, he has seen what the world could give him, and he doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> Realizing um, his parents were right all along. Yeah, right. Maybe maybe he just needs to make sure they're okay. I, I don't think he could ever live that way, at least not yet. Um, but at least making sure he that realizing that a lot of that does disgust for his parents was misplaced and he really needs to check on them. Uh, but, it, but add some perspective to it. Uh, Zoth wrote a letter to his parents, happy, eager, excited about his adventures and his friends. And then they had like they uh, assuming that the letter isn't intercepted or anything. But then to like, like, so they think he's fine, basically. And then no. they don't know. Does Fox have to break the news to Zoth's parents? It's, it's very possible if, if Fox decides to. Yeah, when when the, the fucking, the saint, the 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 heart of the group the 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 most lovable person dies and then the the degenerate the the one who ran away has to go and break the news that yeah sorry remember when we went together on a trip yeah me the person who probably deserved it less lived and the person who deserved to live infinitely more died poetic justice i oh god um so yeah, that, that was my thought. I, I think it's going to depend on what Jeb says to him as well. I, I, I think right now Fox was relying on Jeb to be like a pseudo uncle or father figure for him. 
that wasn't, you know, hippie. Uh, and now that he's got Jeb back, I, I don't know. Fox is a little goalless. I if we need like a little campfire conversation between Fox and Jeb at some point. Like maybe we do that in some upcoming session. We just set aside like 30 minutes to try and dive into that conversation. Um, what about Wash? Do you think Jeb's going to a tune? I don't know if he can. Um, Owlin has the rod of intelligence. Um, he has intelligence and, and wisdom. You've got strength, dex, and charisma. Yeah, that none of those Jeb would have mastery over. What well, was the Jeb was previously right. attuned to wisdom, right? Intelligence. intelligence. Oh. He's a wizard. But he told Alan in his letter, like, I want you to have the rod or whatever. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's, that was just a good refresher. In the back of my mind, I think I did know that. But okay. But yeah, that's still, that's, I mean, intelligence is going to be the one that Alan tries to attune to. So, I'm so I will say, for that, I think, I think Radford is going to attempt to attune to the rod of wisdom. Oh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay. That could be like, cool. I think originally. Well, oh, yeah, yeah it's, of course, of course, it seems it, yeah. to be the most fitting. Yeah. Sorry, I just remember that Zoth was yeah. a, was partially attuned to the Rada Wisdom. That's yeah. Sorry, yeah. brain fart. Yeah, I, I made yeah. another Wisdom based character that we had plans for, but then we reworked how all this was oh. going to go. So, sure, I still have that character. You know, um, but that that yeah that that may might make more sense. I mean that that is currently Radford's an opportunist. Yeah, you know he, he's. He, he's on this grand quest. In his mind, you guys are joining his grand quest to, <laughs> to get the avatars together. Well, really, it's just stuff, his grand so. quest to make his airship float, right? That's like... Well, I mean, no. It's it's not just okay. that. Like, the, getting the airship is for him to get to K. He's on he's on a mission for, for K. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it sees himself as part of this grand design to get the avatars together and to bring magic back to the world and whatnot. But it's it's through the airship to get I, together. I think, I, I I think in uh, some ways so, Radford is very like Zoth um, in that, like, specifically motivated by their deity, um, embodying aspects of that deity, I, although in different ways than Zoth did. I think he's a strong he's trying for the Rod of Wisdom. Um, I think it would but be interesting a, to see the Rod level? try to overpower him. On, on a meta level... I wouldn't want Jeb to attune to a rod and like also Radford try to attune to a like that doesn't seem right. right for me to have control of two characters like that. Well, there's seven pieces and four of you. So unless you're going to outsource three of them, there are going to be some people who have more than one. We've outsourced one, of, one, one of, of them. Yeah. 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 One's with the King of Udril. Um, which one? Which would have been the secondary like Jeb's second stat that would work. Is for there that. <laughs> is there a narrative reason? I feel like there is. I feel like it's too much of a coincidence that what? the one rod that both sides haven't gotten their hands on yet is the rod of luck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like that. I see that smile. That I see that smile. You can't hide it. You, you can't. He wasn't trying to hide. <laughs> I, I, it's like the sword of Gryffindor where it just appears to the person who's most deserving of it. <laughs> Maybe there's a condition that's very statistically unlikely that causes it to arrive. <laughs> luck. Mm. What is that? We, it, we all have secret luck stats. Yeah, have you, have Next time we level up, we need to dump everything into yeah, luck. Right? 
Has, has this entire um, time you've been rolling every session just be like, does the luck rod appear? Does the luck rod appear? Does the luck rod appear? Since day one, I have been watching. I'll say it that way. Since session what? one, game one, I have been watching. Oh, I don't know if I believe that. Uh, I don't know. Ask mm. Belly Savalis how early in our campaign he guessed that it was the Rod of Seven Parts, and I told him it was. I remember that. I mean, I remember that, but that was day like, one, you've been looking for a certain condition for the Rod of Luck? I sure have. Interesting. What? Since before I knew what you could do with their powers, I have been looking for the one that is that is luck. Does Belly know the condition? No. Okay. Yeah, no. No, Belly sent me a message and was wow. like, hey, I don't want you to spoil the game for me, but I'm curious if the Rod of Seven Parts is involved. And I messaged him back something that was like, um, it, it was like a, you know, oh, I can neither confirm nor deny that what, it, you know, it was like a tongue in cheek. Like, yeah, it, it's involved. And then he was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> We we never doubted that Willa that Josh played oh. the long game. Long game. <laughs> Shut says, "Remember huh. the rat with the defibrillator." That's an also. That's also a season one episode one. Yeah. That's the most uh, statistically unlikely thing that could have happened is the rat coming back with the defibrillator. So I think uh, that was pretty unlikely. I think you're right. That would have been the that was the one trigger. might say that was pretty lucky. Yeah, uh, something that. Something that was pretty cool, uh, and that I want to make sure I take a second to do here for this mini arc is shout out Willa for all the art she made. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If we, totally. if we have a look at this banter screen, these characters are all characters that Willa drew based on, like, single-sentence text descriptions of the characters, and I told her the art style is kind of like Sly Cooper. And Incredible. she drew these characters here. Let's bring... There's there's Bruisers. You can see Ooh, him full he's body. He's flying. But she drew... Yeah, he's <laughs> flying. Look at him go. <laughs> uh, um, absolutely incredible. Yeah. And she also did, um, I think you're going to, oh, no, you'll hear our mics. But she did the flying fox here, like the the leaping one oh, with yeah. the leg and the blade. Parkour. She drew that. Parkour. Um, so, like, all that stuff that she made, I think, came out incredibly I agree. Cool. Absolutely. Um, so just wanted to take a second so and shout her out. Big thank you it for that. It was the biggest surprise when, uh, it was the like, these surprise. graphics first came on screen during the first oh, session. Oh, you got to show. It was like, uh, What? Clara, because Clara was also it really, really made well it done. an experience. That's right. We have Clara. Uh, here she is. There's Clara in her evening gown. Amazing. Uh, Clara the fairy dragon. And yes, I agree. Just all of the art. How good she is at art. Yes. Also, her guest starring, like, perfect. That was such yes. a fun episode. Yeah. It is always for me. It's like any week that Clara is going to be in the game. I'm like, oh, I can take it easy as the GM because the game's going to be good because Clara is going to have to do anything to make the game interesting. I'll just let them talk to Clara uh, and it'll be great. Um, so, yeah, she's like, yeah, some of the some of the drawings that she did, I gave her revisions to try and make them better match your descriptions of them. But she was like, I'm not changing Clara like I'm Clara. I know what Clara looks like. Uh, and sure enough, there was no no change needed. Um, it, but yeah, just a huge thank you for that. We really appreciate it. And it matched um, the art style, I will say, of of Sly Cooper, a childhood favorite of mine. Um, I yes. just just have to represent. Sorry, I I hold Sly, the Sly Cooper games up as some of the very best, like in gaming history, in my like on my personal list. Like no one ever They're was. Like just some of my favorites. <laughs> um, 
One thing that we did not get to do a ton of. Yes, she also drew a Jeb, which we saw in the bumper. That bumper is full of art yes, that yep. um, Willa did. And then the rest of it is art that AI made for us that I, I used like a one of the generative AI creators. Also, the backgrounds are generative AI. It's like this this tavern, the little briefing space here. I mean, it looks great. The streets. Thanks, AI. Uh, yeah. I will say, I, I think you did a good job with the briefing room. Uh the briefing room is the back of the cipher truck. I like it. Yeah, I, I it, figured that. Yeah, it's so good. It looks, it gives the right vibe of Sly Cooper. I don't know how else to put it, but it reminds me of their van. You know, yeah. It's, it's. I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. It, now I'm, it, I'm like fanboy gushing over. Well, what's fun about it is because I didn't draw the art, like I was discovering it too. So I would see one that came up, you know, like, oh, I got the prompt right. It came up cool. And I'd be just as excited about it. Like, wow, that's so great. I can't wait to see, you know. Um, so that was a lot of fun for me. That is cool. Um, one thing we did not get to do a ton of is interactive chat rewards. And not even just in the heist. I feel like we haven't done a very good job of implementing them really since season two started. Um and I think we've done a lot of other things really well, but I feel like it hasn't been as interactive for chat. And in particular, Willa has been not super pleased about that. <laughs> so I put a lot of thought this week since I wasn't having to plan a full session into like, what are some ways that we can bring that back and increase the amount of chat interactivity? And I have a bunch of options I want to pitch to you right now. Um, but also I put a couple of them in the in the chat already, which Grubbug saw earlier and was like, oh, I see some new rewards that are cool. So one of them was trigger a weather event. Um, which would just be like, you know, lightning strike, um, earthquake, tsunami, rain, weather change, you know, like it could go from sunny to rainy or a storm could start rolling in or whatever. Um, I think those would be kind of cool. We've already talked about whether we keep oceans. I'll cross that one off. We're going to say oceans are for like specific things and we kind of want Fox to be the one who triggers those rather than it being something the whole party gets. Um, how do Ooh. we feel about you take that back? This is something that I put in there and mentioned in just the last heist, but it never got used. It's a single use GM red card and it would be super expensive, like probably five or 10,000 points. And it literally is, I make a ruling. I do some exposition. The villain does an action, whatever. And chat can make me take it back. That doesn't mean that the opposite thing happens. So for example, enemy casts lightning bolt on you. Chat says you take that back. The enemy doesn't lose their turn. They could do something else but they can't cast lightning bolt on you. Um, so it would be, it would be just sort of like a change it up on the fly type of thing. Um, how do we feel about that as an idea? Do we like it? Is it too much? Is it, I think it's you know, fine. How, I, I have yeah, to see it's it implemented before I get like a full opinion on it, but I, I'm willing to try I, it. I, there's the ability for it to be abused, but I think making it expensive makes it hard to do that. And also making sure that it doesn't refresh during the same stream. Like it can only be used once per like going live. Right. Um, I, well, I, I was worried that like somebody could use it just on a cheap thing or just like abused it for something nonsensical. Um, I think that's also funny. It is also <laughs> funny. I think it gives the chat a lot of weight if they want it right and i i think that's the whole i thought that was the whole point setting out with this dnd was to like give the chat weight and and ability that even if we don't agree with it it changes the story up drastically or the at least the uh the um on-screen narrative right where it's like oh no now everything's worse or everything's better Eh. i think giving a little power to chat um obviously the best we can do balanced wise uh yeah i think 
that aspect of it makes me like it more. I think my main qualm in my head about it was like, what if like something really, really, really important happens and it gets taken back that like, if it did happen, it would have had a lot of narrative consequences and like, like someone would have been like subjectively very interesting for the story. However, I think that the argument of the whole point of us setting out to do this, a lot of the point was to give chat like a really big influence and make like pivotal moments really important. And so I think that that is a good argument. You could add the caveat that it can't undo a dice roll. Like once the dice is rolled, you have to live with the implications because that takes away the like, hey, we've just made death have no impact. Yeah, Uh, I think that one's tough when there's like kind of latency to when someone receives the stream and then is trying to trigger the reward. And then by the time, you know, but like by the time we receive it, well, chat says no matter what happens, I have to to save points (laughs) and I don't care whether that reward specifically exists. But right now it is really hard for chat to affect the story. Uh, and the supply drop took months, which it did. Um, and that's that's something that I'm going to ask about, too. But I have a whole bunch of chat rewards that I want to pitch first. Okay. Um, and in case this wasn't clear, chat, I am watching for all of your opinions as well on these. These are things for you. So if you want to weigh in, I think the- um, especially like Grubbug Belly and Will of the Wisp, who have been here like day one, all that, you know, you've been here for the long haul. We definitely want to hear your thoughts. The supply so. drop was good. I think we should keep that. That's I true. also liked the supply drop. Let's come back to those at the end because I think we should keep them. But maybe I was going to say I, I felt okay. bad. Uh, Will is right in the saying that we never needed oceans, so the oceans uh, never really felt powerful to them. It was more like throwing. I feel like it's just throwing like flower petals at us, and like <laughs> it felt like drops in the ocean. You could yeah. say. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. So here was here. Was what would have been? What would have made the oceans nice? Is if chat gave us an ocean we had to use it right there Mm. immediate that would have been a really it would have been a big middle finger to chat but that would have been a really good moment to just take an ocean and be like so gunner how's your toast (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um okay so here's the the next all of the remaining ideas I have fit under the same category, which is I was trying to think how could you affect gameplay in a meaningful way, but it not be magical because magic doesn't work. And it's very hard for me narratively to explain things like the, the invisible servant and whatever. And what I came up with was the skulls in halo. And so what if the rewards were similar to the skulls in the halo campaign where they change a mechanic? So here are the examples that I came up with. And I think that for each like skull or each tweak there could be a cheaper 10 minute option and then a more expensive full session option um all attacks hero and villain deal double damage all saves hero and villain rolled at disadvantage or all saves hero and villain rolled at advantage um the gm dice cam is visible on screen for a certain amount of time or for the whole session um a designated roller handles all player roles for 10 minutes a designated roller handles all GM roles for 10 minutes. Um, hmm. HP cannot be recovered while in combat initiative. This would not prevent stabilization at zero hit points. Um, all area of effects double in size and cannot discriminate between friend and foe. So those were like just the first ideas I came up with. Um, they have a big effect on the game. They're not particularly like biased, like they, you know, because they're an equal effect on everybody except maybe the GM cam. 
Um, but even that, like, you know, whatever I I've just said earlier, I'm really hesitant to fudge roles. So pretty much all my roles are what they are. Um, unless it has like really no impact and I'm like, ah, oh, it'd be funnier if, you know, Fox tripped or something like mm. that. But, um, um, what do we think of those, those ideas and chat? What do you think of those ideas? And, and anyway, I uh, think that's super fun. I like it. Yeah. I'd be willing to try it. Uh, can I add something? Yeah, I definitely suggest new ideas too. I definitely want suggestions. Do we as well. still have the dice roller? Like the in chat dice roller? Yeah. What if we can have chat like roll stuff? We do. Um, it can be tough to do that if there's no one in chat. That's fair. Yeah. Like on the occasions where chat's not there, or if the latency is really bad, then it's like we're waiting well, two I minutes think, for yeah. a roll. There's a good part of our audience that are lurking. I would like to hope though that if you know they they pay for the designated roller. That's fair. If chat has to turn it on, then we know someone's there for it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Belly, I hate it. I hate it all. <laughs> Someone what if, has to what if you had Belly. one? What if you had one where you specified a pl player or GM or something and chat gets to like, this is your next roll? Mm. Is that too meta? Like, mm. like where they would roll it and if they rolled a 15, then... The next roll that is called for yours is a fifteen. Ooh. No, I think that's a. I think that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah, that's you just like put one in the queue, basically. Your command, yeah. You, you, so they they pay for it. It rolls a dice on screen, right? One of the, your three D dice, and yeah. then you just have to take that for your next, you know, check. That's a great idea. I've only got sixes and twenties, but if we just stick to twenties because they're the most common one, that would be fine. It'd just be yeah. your next D twenty roll. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. Um, chat, do you have any other ideas of rewards you would want that are kind of like this ways to affect the game or tweak situations or things you've always thought would be fun to do, but we haven't let you or anything like that. Um, at the same time, also players still, ooh, still interested ooh, in there's, Okay. There's a, oh, go. I, I'm just sorry. Just to, just to finish off that thought, the whole idea of chat rolling the dice and we have to take it. Um, I just realized that could be a little meta, right? You could be like, oh, I'm not going to check the door because there's a nat one on the screen. <laughs> right. What if it's a chance, right? right? We, it rolls the dice. We all see it. But then you as the GM has to roll like a D4 or something. Every time there's a skill check, you know, like could be the moment somebody has to use that die. And it could be moments where we all want to use it, right? It could be a high roll or it could be moments nobody oh, wants to use it. So, so add after some chance. The, after Chad does the thing, someone has to flip a coin or whatever and there's like a 50 50 shot of like which role will be that so it's like next what if next right. time it's like okay it's alan's turn alan does something flip coin oh it's heads it was actually it needs to be or, tails for it to happen so we're going to keep going until it happens right or what if i roll a d4 to figure out which player it applies to but i don't tell you that's like even so better you don't know which of you gets that's the role. even better you just know Ooh. someone has it in the chamber that's even better Chat says something like a roulette. The role can't be. That's exact. That's that's exactly it. Will I mm -hmm. totally agree? That's the idea I just suggested. Um, it can be assigned to an NPC. Yeah. <laughs> Willa and I are clearly married. We come up with the same ideas at the same time. Um, <laughs> um, something that I, I saw proposed in a video. I don't know, like if if people like it or how it works implementing wise. Like, but it's sort of this. Um, like karmic kind of thing where the the homebrew rule is that a a player or like we could change things to have chat involved but a player can change any role they want 
to a 20. But then that allows the GM to change any role they want to a 1. And so it's like the more you do it, the more consequences you face because the GM also has that ability as you uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like hmm. that can add some animosity between the GM and the players. Um, could be... Uh, I agree. I would also prefer for them to be things chat got to do yeah. rather than things players got to do. Because um, if I wanted you all to have unlimited power, we'd just play a video game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's... Uh, we're let, let's keep taking ideas or brainstorming them throughout the rest of the night here. But just to make sure we talk about some of the other important stuff that's coming up, let's talk about that next. Ooh, chat says, I kind of like having an option for a mystery effect just to add a bit of variability to the situation. Do you mean like triggering a complication belly or like, can you explain what Ooh, a mystery effect might like be? Like a magic table? Um, obviously it wouldn't be oh, a magic like a, table. Like a wild magic table? Right. Something like that? Right. A wild non-magic table. A wild non-magic table. It's just a wild it's a table. Wild, it's, a wild it's a pretty table. wild table. It's an actual it's just a table with fangs. Yeah, it's just a table. I mean, if you wanted it's like an in-game like like reason table. to explain it, maybe it's just like, like as things are progressing in the world, like magic is just behaving very sporadically. Well, and, like, he he knows. So if he yeah, yeah, he does. He if he could make it work, he would make it work. So I'm I'm gonna trust that he can't ish. So, um. That's an interesting idea. I wonder if there could be... I mean, I guess that's kind of like the weather effect. Yeah. Um, faulty wingle digits. I like what Belly says, yeah. Yeah, or, you know, unstable sacrium under the ground or something like that. It could be a table um, designed for each... Uh, like, maybe it's a very simple table, only five things, right? Um, but it's for each session specific to that session, so that way, you know, like... Roll 1d5. Um, it, could be, it could be as simple as, like... Um, maybe at the summit tower, right? Um, it could be a guard notices something could be one of the things, right? That otherwise we've gotten away with or, um, I have an idea. Okay. Josh. Yeah. You like to use secrets and clues. I do. What if chat could spend points to force you to reveal one of your secrets and clues uh i'm open to the idea i've actually put the dm gives a clue reward in there a couple of times and made it pretty expensive um if we did that i think i would still want a way to work it into the narrative to make it more like to make it make sense sort of um, how but i'm totally how open many to the idea. yeah hmm how how dare you? How? <laughs> well, uh, what did you want to move on wow. to? We'll, we'll brainstorm throughout. Sure. How uh, even? The next thing I was thinking uh, we should talk about is the next quest, mm -hmm. the Allen quest. Um, I wanted to give a brief overview of what we're doing, and then I wanted us to talk about um, how how we're going to do it. <laughs> so the the when we split, we're doing these, my thing, right? When we split ways, Fox was on his way to rescue Jeb, and Owlin had decided that the most important thing he could do right now was to go and try and rescue Do Bumblefoot from the abandoned Hematitian city of Nowood, which has been built into a mountain further south and uh, east of Gaim. And um, Owlin does have the rods of intelligence and wisdom, and I believe Owlin's goal was to attune to the rod of intelligence. Correct. Um, so... 
that's that's the upcoming quest. Now we had talked about in our Discord, and I wanted to bring to the group here um, the idea of like, do we want to lean into a different trope? Um, I think that um, like the Indiana Jones like action architect could be fun. I think a disaster movie like Journey to the Center of the Earth, except like the disaster would be wherever the the Avatar is being imprisoned, could be fun. Um, we also talked about using this as a chance to play test the newest Unearthed Arcana. There's a bunch of 1D&D options that just came out for melee characters. Like they just did their reworked Barbarian class. So it'd be a chance for Alan to mess around with that. Hmm. Um, or like, do we go back to the normal game? Do we miss it enough that we want to just like, you know, go back to our normal vibe, which is in itself, like, because there's no magic, it's already kind of changed up and, and interesting. Well, so I'm interested in chat's thoughts and players' thoughts. I'm not going to say anything about it for a while. I want to. I want to hear what everyone else. I wants. I want to jump on what Wash said much earlier in the night, which was talking about how each each thing was its own like mechanic. I think Wash brought that up. Maybe maybe that was Trevor, but um, it sounds clever. So it was probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just realized, like you know how awesome that would be if like fox has his oceans and then alan could have his mechanic and like each of the main cast brings their own mechanic from their from like jeb's mechanic is ptsd <laughs> <laughs> but my mechanic is trauma yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you get what i'm Zoth saying mechanic right is being able to haunt people um <laughs> i do get what you're saying and like it's kind of first, like a that's that's the that's the assumption I was operating on I think this entire time as we were doing this and I was kind of like oh Alan's probably going to do another genre thing as well. However, I mean it could just um, be a mechanic in general. It doesn't have no, to yeah. be attached to that. Um as we've been as I've been thinking about it more like this last week since we talked about it in the Discord a bit um I miss playing a bit, a bit of of your standard Dungeons and Dragons, um, and I also haven't messed with any of the one D and D stuff yet. And I think it sounds fun. And personally, I think my vote would be to play test some of the new one D and D stuff personally, um, because I want to have. I think Alan's next thing deserves some focus on the RP. Personally, I think it deserves some focus on the RP and having some quiet moments um, and not just leaning into a genre. Okay, Which okay. I shouldn't say just because what we just did was super fun. Um, but I did feel a little bit, if there was only one negative, because I think there was only one negative, it was that I was hoping to have more time with Fox to get into the deep gritty emotional stuff that Fox was feeling at the end of when Alan and Fox were still in the same room. And that was really cool to me. And I didn't get as much of that during this as I hoped. And I think that was partially because of the focus on the genre trope stuff. That's my right. personal opinion. Hear me out. Alan's mechanic is bringing the one D and D tools that <laughs> with him <laughs> into the main game. Just permanently. I mean, we did do the, the playtest, at least like early on. It didn't really feel that different or impactful in terms of gameplay. I don't know how, like, it, if it would be feel different now with more stuff. Yeah. I well, was gone for that, so I didn't play it, but. 
they've reached the point in the unearthed arcana where we are getting drafts of the player's handbook now okay like it's it's the the full player's handbook we've got revisions of five classes they've changed the way they've brought back some of the skills i was just reading this earlier today to see if it would actually have any impact on our game and i think it would um they've brought back the search and the study um mechanics from D D three and 3.5 okay um, which really clear up a lot of the like use investigation for everything. So now it's like, you know, the study action involves a different skill depending on the kind of thing you're trying to learn about. Mm. So um, that's and it, it also clarifies a lot of the the stuff with insight um, between study and search. So I think those are really cool ads. They gave tons of new flavor options to martial classes. Um, the big focus this time around was on the warrior class and they did some things to make weapons more interesting and to make their impactfulness on the game scale with level the way that magic does. That's cool. Um, so, so there are some really interesting things in there to try, but I, I don't know that it would be like, you know, it's still going to be D and D five mostly, you know, with some new pants on. I mean, yeah, like, it's D I mean, one D and D is D and D 5.5. Yeah. Like, yeah. They don't want you to say that, though. I know they don't want me to Aren't say that. Aren't we all D&D 5e with new pants on? Yes. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that is what our game is, too. Like, our whole campaign yeah, already yeah. is home is D&D 5 plus homebrew. I don't know. I, I, yeah, with less pants on, because there's no magic. Yeah. I From this day forward, I am going to refer to homebrew in any capacity as new pants on. <laughs> <laughs> like, what kind of pants are you wearing, though? Are you wearing I some mean, flashy pants? Are we wearing khakis? Jodhpurs. Oh, Okay. Look, I'm not particularly <laughs> attached to like doing any one thing. Like I, I would be really happy just any of them. I think if we were to lean in a trope, maybe we do like like a um, soap opera soap opera e kind of like drama to get the RP part that Jake wants. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm vetoing that right yeah. now. <laughs> let me, let me Have bust you watched out my the Spanish soap opera? Accent. No, I haven't. I just okay. know very yeah. dramatic. <laughs> I, I, was, I had actually uh, suggested to the players just earlier this week or last week or whatever, and they kind of shot it down. Reality but I thought show. it would be funny to try and do reality TV where chat could trigger the confessional camera, like, you know, in the office or whatever, where it, like, cuts away and there's a person who's talking to camera. Like, yeah, I'm always prepared for this kind of situation. In the background, everyone's, like, talking. I thought it would be funny to try and trigger that. But uh, we decided that would not be good. <laughs> what if once we get Radford's ship, we do a space opera? <laughs> or at least a... Um, have you guys seen Treasure Planet? No. Oh, yeah. Com-com Alan X Larradith chats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, uh, Treasure Planet... Treasure Planet is literally what my home Spelljammer campaign yeah, is. Yeah, that's great. I, I think Treasure... I think if, if, we, if we all... Had a Discord movie night and watched Treasure Planet, and then and then did the airship stuff. I think that would be very beneficial. Um, just to throw this out there, um, for for whoever, like one of one of my veils as a GM is role playing any kind of like love or romantic relationship with the other players. I'm okay Despite with it being alluded pressure. to off screen, but I would rather not role play it in person at the table because it feels weird. No, yeah, so, I I, um, I think just, the 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 Alan Larida thing is just like a funny almost headcanon to me. It's not like a like just like ah yeah that's happening. Like it's yeah. I agree, but there's a second place it's applicable, which is Jeb and Holly. Um, and mm-hmm. so I wanted to point that out to the to the table here in a situation where they're not like oh he's, he's dangling the dream and taking it away. 
Like that's just. I love I'm, you, Josh. Yeah. Okay, that's great. <laughs> I'm okay with alluding to it off screen. Like it can be part of the story. I just don't want to actually act it out. Yeah, sure. Okay. That's fair. That is fair. Yeah. So we've got uh, Trevor doesn't care. Yep. Jake likes playtesting the unearthed arcana. Uh, Cleo and Wash, do you have opinions on I, tropes and or styles? I just wish, because right now, the way I was seeing it in my head, right, is that, like, this is almost like the build-up in a video game kind of narrative, right? I bring that up specifically because it is, like, uh, Fox got a new power-up, right? He has a new power unlocked by completing Chapter 1 or something. Do-do-do-do. And I could just, I just thought it was really cool. <laughs> Fox's new power is thinking ahead. <laughs> 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 it's like that time he's grown like, up. I tried I telling it. the truth and it totally worked. Uh, <laughs> I made a plan and actually planned this time. <laughs> you Fox know what I mean. Fox realizes no, I know was, it's, was it's right amazing. all along. By the time Fox reaches the life skills of any eight-year-old, he will have completed his character arc. That's like that's the growth plan oh, for God. Fox. <laughs> He's like, nope, I am not going to eat dessert first. Curtains closed. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That's the condition for the rod of luck. <laughs> the most statistically unlikely D and D scenario. Yeah, Fox eating oh. his whole ration instead of just the desserts out of it. That okay. actually wasn't that a flavor thing that happened in some of our overland That's why travel. I made the joke. Yeah. That's hilarious. Oh, sorry. Well, I meant that like about telling the truth, not not about planning ahead. Zoff didn't plan ahead. Um. I, okay. So I, I do want to say first of all, you know what I what I meant. Y'all know what I meant. Gosh darn it. <laughs> and second of all. What what if what if it's specifically something meta for the for the rod of life? Sorry, Josh brought it up, and I just thought like, what if it's we managed to overthrow the DM in a lawyering moment? <laughs> what? And that's that's like the statistically <laughs> unlikely uh, objection. Yeah, Phoenix we, right. Yeah, Phoenix right. We objection and win, and that's that's what brings about the rod of luck. Wow, what if? No, no. Chances they were shook when Fox told Clara the truth right off the bat. She was like, what are you doing here? And Fox is like, I'm here to, you know, steal a bunch of stuff for <laughs> private security goons. I mean, like, it's what Fox would have done. I gotta, like, Fox, <laughs> you know, trusts Clara and Cla he knows that Clara values the truth, right? That's the type of society he learned very hard and very quickly that any kind of tomfoolery when it comes to fibs and with the whole dragons was a bad idea. So, yeah, it's... he always has a little soft shoulder angel giving him guidance. Oh, Zoth will always be watching over Fox. Chat says, "Be careful! What if the rod of luck gives you amazing luck, by, but only by taking it from those around Ooh. you?" Hey, I've read that monkey paw story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what if What if it's triggered when we usurp the DM and one of us takes over? That's what that's what Cleo was saying earlier. <laughs> no, Cleo yeah. said it specifically by like a rule or overruling a law or something. What if it's when we roll three natural twenties in a row? Ooh. We've already done that. Have we? Oh, three in a row. I it's... thought. I thought. Didn't uh, Trevor do that? 
That's that must oh, be it two. then. I will not comment on the mechanic, but Trevor has only ever rolled two natural twenties, oh, okay. and he would only know that if he was looking. But yeah, <laughs> I was like, but he's keeping track, so that means well, it Trevor might called be three. it out in a session a little while ago. He's like, I got three natural twenties in a row, and I like went back and listened, and I was like, did he really? And he, he only got two. It was the one where that diet you got like a bunch of that's and a, ones in uh, one session. I believe you, Josh, but I don't think that's the reason. I think the reason is that the three in a row is the yeah. trigger. I maybe it is. It could be nat ones. It could be nat ones, but I I do now. I am on hundred percent on board. What if we each need to roll a natural twenty? Just check us. What if you can only obtain the rod of luck by luck? True. Dun dun dun. I am stuck on the dice roll. If we get to the fountain at Name Dis, then we could just wish for the rod. Wish for the rod of luck. I mean, it would be pretty pretty statistically unlikely for us to get there so <laughs> that's true what if it's just chilling there we, what if it's just like we we may find uh what was belly what was his name he's what he should still be there oh um the spider oh the spider? yeah the spider what was oh, his name um oh god gibbler gibbler not to grab this conversation by the horns and try and steer it back once more to the topic at hand, but I am just checking in again with uh, Cleo and Wash Sorry. as far as tropes or Unearthed Arcana or whatever we want to do. Well, as far as Wash is concerned, Gibbler, um, I, I like the idea of doing the Indiana Jones action architect trope thing, but I don't know what the gimmick would be because Indiana Jones action architect is just kind of like D and D and a dungeon crawl. That's true. With really good roles and plot armor. There's always a boulder chasing you. <laughs> just all but the is, time. is this like the snail scenario all over again? <laughs> you get a million dollars, but a boulder is chasing you permanently. <laughs> It's a snowball and it grows about the half snail like a centimeter. All right, all right. Sorry, sorry. Gimmick, right? Uh, my opinion, right? Uh, uh, I I would like there to be a gimmick of some sort, just to follow the idea that's stuck in my head and I cannot drop it. Of like <laughs> each person gaining a power up, right? Obviously, during the mm -hmm. arc, everyone has access to it, but then like after the arc, you know, it carries over into that one person having access to it. Um, otherwise, I wouldn't feel comfortable having Fox have oceans, um, or like just Fox have oceans. Um, I, I think there's better ways to narratively work in the the growth from that arc, um, if that's what we're we're gonna do with that. But I do think it would be pretty cool to have like I, I've unlocked this ability, this power up specific to me. But um, through the power of friendship. <laughs> To the power I mean, friendship. we can have a trope and do the RP that Jake wants. It doesn't have to be either or. I I think but, I think Jake just wants to return back to the normal. I yeah. I here's my lay it up. For I'm us. trying to think about. Here I'm trying to think is about my it. fight song. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Uh, I think there's. I think there's a lot of potential for really genuine character development of Alan in this next arc. And I think that's great. Mm -hmm. um, I personally don't want to worry about role playing that into a trope of a certain genre. Okay. Um, so it's kind of this idea of like if it, if we were doing disaster movie, and Alan had like some sort of like character moment, 
I feel like my I would be preoccupied with thinking about how I can fit into a disaster movie scene or how I can okay. fit into a disaster movie trope scenario as opposed mm. to thinking about how is this going to affect Alan and how can I effectively communicate it. What if it's um what if it's just that's a my me- opinion. A new what if the mechanic, right, is just like a really cool um our art uh, artificer artificer artificery artificery am i saying that right but like just know. like Keep a cool going. like artifact that you make or find and that becomes like your your power that could up. be that that could be a goal throughout the uh the arc i'm not sure exactly what that would be um i, don't I know. know that i was thinking of i was thinking of the trope being less of like a scenario that or like less of a thing that dictates how you would behave inside of it like we did with the heists and more of just like the setting mm. okay so just like a lighter theme like like this like the style of the adventure that that we're in i mean if we're literally going to nowood which is like a subterranean city in a mountain you know then there's the the journey up the up the mountain into the thing you know diving into it into ancient places i mean that that kind of fits like a an action architect sort of setting. Adventure. Mm-hmm. But we just don't but, like yeah. change how we behave. We treat it like normal D D, it's just the settings influenced by it. Is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I mean I can certainly build some some adventure y looking settings. Um that's that's definitely easy to do. Well, is there a mechanic that fits goes along with that? I would have been thinking like if there was a mechanic that was related, it would probably be to um textbooks and study. Like rather than being able to scope out and prepare for the plan ahead mm. of time, it could be like X amount of things. You could say something like, "I think I researched this to the know, library," like um, <laughs> where it like you know we flash back to Alan surrounded by books that he's borrowed from the royal library and guy. Yeah, you know, in in I would like to use a library. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't we all? I that's an interesting idea. I could get behind that. Like the idea of I um. Like, it's it's pretty much only used to gain history or information or, like, specific, specific cultural type things. But also, like, you could just bake that in whenever he makes a study check, you know? Sure. Like if we're doing... Just, like, a flavor test. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just fair. would also like to go back to the heartfelt moments. You know, a, yeah. a bit more of the role play that we yeah. kind of missed out on. And which was fine. I, 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 don't, I don't think that was necessarily a negative... For this arc but I, mm-hmm. I do think it was it's one of those things that needs to come back i i miss having the chance to have those heartfelt moments yeah, yeah. there's deep talks all right so maybe we hey, go Fox. back to to just 5e um do we want to do we want to try the the playtest stuff like it sounds like we're leaning away from maybe doing a trope like a full-on trope do we want to playtest the new stuff or do we want to just stick to the old stuff Hmm. I'm fine either way. I'm just trying to narrow down what kind I of think, game to, I think if to run for you guys. This is tough. Uh, hmm. I'm going to default to Jake since this is like Alan's lead. So whatever Jake chooses, I'm with. I don't well, mind. Um, I don't mind like the the murkiness of having certain abilities because of using a rule system and then not having them in the future because we go back to the previous rule system. Like I like that that personally doesn't bother me. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um if that's if that's any concern. 
No, yeah, that's not that. I don't think that's really concerned for me either. Uh, Herm. It's Minecraft. Minecraft is would, 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 in a while. <laughs> would anyone be upset if we went back to vanilla 5e? No. 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 I would not in the slightest. Okay, then I think that's what I would like to do. Let's do it. Cool. Then we're doing that. Sounds great. Um, now, also thinking of the next quest, um, what kind of crew is Alan trying to recruit? You know what I mean? Recruit. Recruit. Yeah, that. Recruit. Um, Who does Alan want to bring on this adventure? Bring. <laughs> bring. <laughs> uh, Alan would like to bring, um, I think, people of a wide ver- with a wide variety of skill sets. He's he's kind of going by the idea of like the crew that the you know his his close friends that he has gone through this thus far with um the fact that they all brought something pretty unique at skill set and background wise um was like a really big asset for them and he also he I think he wants to build that into his team here so unlike the heist crew where it's like everyone's a rogue just with a, it's kind of a different flavor with a different specialty I think Alan would like to bring in kind of a wide variety so that it's kind of a um like a like a okay this this doesn't this doesn't happen now but back in the day when presidents would build out their cabinets they would try to bring people with a wide variety of ideas and backgrounds and things like that um as like kind of this idea of like people who challenge each other will bring strength to decision making right. i think alan for president this is his leader arc. <laughs> i think i think so, i think it could be so i think that's what alan's going to try to do here um, I would love for then for the the three of you as you're making new characters to join in this quest. Um, I would love for you to build characters who are coming from the perspective that we have baked in an understanding and sort of respect and aspiration towards Alan and what Four Guys does. Like I don't want us to have to find a reason for you all to want to travel with Alan. Um, I would rather it be like this party came to Four Guys and presented themselves, and Alan was able to select them. Um, Trevor's got a hand up. What's up? Uh, could the character I made prior to us doing this format of like four people fit into that? If you remember, probably. Okay. I might. I. I'm not. I'm not trying to control the mechanics of your character. No, no, I'm no. saying in the Ooh. in the backstory and the motivation. I want All the right. character's motivations to solve the problem of why are you going to go with Alan and risk life and limb for something that may or may not work. Oh, okay. Hear me out. Session one, right? Um, we each bring like three characters and then do an interview with Alan. And then <laughs> Alan has to choose one of those three characters. I don't want to have to make you guys make three character sheets of like level nine characters, though. What if you came up with three concepts where you just picked class, subclass, and a little bit of personality and Alan conducts interviews next week? Yeah. On the 29th. That sounds fun as to like, me. Like a session, partly session zero. Like I'll do the session zero stuff as the GM where it's like, hey, here's the log line of the campaign. Here's a couple of things like, you know, that you should understand as you're building characters about the environments you'll be in and whatever. And then Alan will do like job interviews with each character. That's kind of fun. That sounds great to me. I like that a lot. Do you players, does that sound fun for you Absolutely. or does that sound boring? I would love that. I plan to play Radford, so that doesn't apply to me. <laughs> That's Fair true. enough. 
It just uh, Radford could be helping with the. I interviews. would love that. Yeah, Radford. Radford would totally. <laughs> oh help my god! I just. I'm, I'm sorry. The mental image that just gave oh, me. Oh yeah, I'll suss them out for you. Is, is Radford and an Owlin sitting behind a desk and just a line of just misfit people just like showing up and then be like <laughs> next. <laughs> and they're gonna be like, well, I think that's great. Uh, see, I wanted to work with you because my my father died, and you're like, red flag, <laughs> next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got trauma. That's good. That's yeah. good. <laughs> we can we can manipulate that. <laughs> oh, so I yeah, that sounds doing, fun to me. We're not doing play like, tests, just for five E, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. just normal five E. Okay. Correct. I'm just yeah, plain old five. I'm gonna do what I do best and just come up with the characters, and then you know. And not make a character sheet because we all know you're not going to open it anyway. <laughs> are, are we going to get a wow in the team? I will have uh, three made up character sheets and somewhat detailed. Listen, action. I will have a couple of dice thrown and and an awesome character put together. Okay, you don't you don't need dice even, thrown by next week though. I might even yeah, give well, I'm you anyway, the right? um like some of the DM information in the the Forgav chat during the week in our Discord just so you know a little bit about the the part of the world you're going to explore uh, in case those things impact your your character development. But I'll still recap them for anyone who's not in our Discord, you know, in the session. Um, I'll do that first, and then we'll we'll cover the rest of it. I just nice. thought of a cool um, character idea, but sorry, ooh. I I we we can keep it we can keep it DL. Yeah, just yeah. write it down somewhere, save it somewhere for yourself. Um, next week I will also have all the new chat rewards in the chat, not cause we can use them, but so that we can See go them. through them all yeah. and everyone has a chance to speak into them and, and kind of think about what they want to do next. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like we've, we've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything about the, the mini arc we just finished the, for lack of, what, what should we name this arc? I liked no more left behind. That's true. No more yeah. left behind is a good name for it. So is there anything else about normal left behind that you want to talk about? Um, anything that you think are like important details we missed chat or anything that players you're like, oh, this was cool or this was tough or I didn't like this or I have a prediction or anything um, like that. I mean, I know we were working away from it. I'm not sure if, we, if you wanted to come back to it or not, but uh, the tower falling. Did we did we go over that as much as? You, yeah, we, we pretty much a little did. bit about okay. it. Okay. You said you wanted to revisit whether the Aboleth died or not. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. We were going to find out if the Aboleth died. Shoot dang. Shoot dang. Uh, okay. Bitta bang. Good call. That's a good, yeah. and I think that's Shoot a good way dang. to end it, too. It's like... Biggity bang. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Alive, Aboleth, dead, or undead. Yeah. So the Aboleth was in the pool um, inside the the tower and it was guarded by the remaining three vaults. Um, so Jeb was off doing Jeb things. Ooh. And the other three vaults were guarding the Aboleth. So the question isn't, what did the Aboleth do? The Aboleth doesn't have any relevant powers that can save it if this building goes down. The question is, were those three members of the vaults able to get the Aboleth out in time? And they would have gotten a small amount of warning um, enough warning that I think probably there's like maybe the equivalent of two rounds for them to try and figure out what to do. Cause as Jeb is falling, Jeb has plenty of time to say something well, on the radio. He, um, even if he can't, even if he didn't, else, you know right. I mean? It took time for the tower to fall. That too. Yeah. So even after the explosion, there was a bunch of time. So 
Um, I'm going to group the three of them into one save. Um, but we're going to give them a couple of different saves. So let's start with a dexterity save to represent just were they able to react before there was an explosion to put things in motion that might give them advantage in the future. <laughs> they rolled a nat one. Yay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> they definitely did not react. And in fact, they were caught a little flat footed. They're going to have disadvantage on whatever the next roll is. So the tower goes, that's, you know, it's obvious to them. The first thing they need to do is secure the Aboleth for transport, um, or figure out how they're going to get it out. Right. This is a, a matter of intellectual planning as well as sort of dexterous happening. I think that, that to me sounds like an intelligence modified slate of hand check um, to see if they can get the pieces in place or not. So I'm going to roll that with disadvantage for them um, and I'll give them the average modifier of the vaults, which to be fair is still pretty high. Um, it's a three on the die, which is an 11 on the slate of hand check. Uh, that's probably not enough to get, you know, we're talking about a tower that's teetering back and forth. Um, this is a rushed motion. So whatever it is, that they're going to try and do. We're now at desperate straits. So I think their final thing here is we're going to give them one more save for the last ditch. Uh, oh, Belly says, do I mention something that seems to be forgotten that may make a difference against the players or keep my mouth shut? Ooh, keep your mouth you shut. It. Bring it up. Jake's <laughs> like, keep your difference. mouth shut. Let's, let's hear it. Let's have it. Oh, no, no. You don't have to, Belly. Yeah, yeah, you, you don't, don't have, have to. to. Here's the here's the die. If we you want to, but you, feel free to keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have the right to remain silent. You have the right. <laughs> Anything you say will and can be used against Let you. Let the guys vote on Let it. Let the guys vote Ooh. on it. All right. Ooh. Okay, so there's four of them. So I'll I mean, I want to know if we have a tie. I'm being tongue in cheek. Like yeah. I, I think it's perfectly no, fine. I'm Billy. just here for the laws. Yeah. Yeah. Wash is a yes. Trevor's a yes. Yeah, I'm a yes. Of course. Yeah, go for it, Billy. Okay. Yep. That's it, Belly. You gotta, you gotta hit him with it. Drop that knowledge. We're just teasing. Hopefully, it's that one that we forgot way back when, and he just figured it out. Yeah, maybe Ooh. he learned the secret from season one. I just thought I'd drop that in there, but now it's silent. So I probably could have just said that out loud. But you know, <laughs> thanks I'm for the awkward. This, I'm gonna do this last roll while Belly types out whatever that was. Um, I based on their modifiers in the actual DC, it's a 14 on the die, just a straight die roll. Ooh. Um, chat granted the villains get an ocean on the last run. All right. Well, then how about they burn it right here? That seems like the thing they Ooh. would use it on is having some kind of emergency escape preparation. True. They get one advanced skill check to put things in place for an emergency escape. I think that emergence or that one skill check is being used to make the windows um, like they're they're building in in a, a release or an escape on the windows. So you can like you hit a button and psh, the windows pop off the side so that they can just leap out with their cargo if they need to basically with a parachute. Um, excuse so me. That would make this last. You have to do a skill check um, to make sure they can do it. Uh, otherwise, they have to use more oceans, if I remember correctly. <laughs> All right, all right. I'll give him a skill check for that. That's a slate of hand. Um, and as we already established before, the group has a collective plus eight to slate of hand. I I was just that's a twenty six. I was just beaming. I think that's gonna okay. do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have modified the windows. So this last check then 
um, is going to get a tiny bit easier for them because they've still got the parachute. They're like, they're panicked now. The Aboleth is not secured well. They're going to leap out with the parachute. So really what we're looking for is can they secure the Aboleth? They're, they're like carrying this Aboleth like a... No, you remember when the squid like, like monster jumped carpet. off like, like a the giant catfish. Yeah, like a giant catfish. Exactly. What check do you think that is? <laughs> they're noodling. Just whichever, strength to hold on? Whichever that... uh, skill they have the least amount of modifiers. Wait, wait, wait. Is the, is the, <laughs> is the parachute on, on the Aboleth? A charisma check. Or are they holding on to the Aboleth with parachutes on them? The three of them have parachutes. Strength for sure, or athletics. Like, how would you strap an mm. How would you strap an Aboleth into a parachute? Something you know strength I mean? based. Yeah, for strength. Sure. Give it a backpack. Very carefully. Athletics. Yeah. That seems like an athletics thing, like between the skydiving Free and Willy the holding check. on. Yep. So that's probably an athletics with a DC of like twenty five. Between like it's wet and slippery, and you're jumping, and it's and three a lot people going on holding onto this giant three fish people, thing. Yeah. So I think 25 is... It's just is... gonna a big wet smack on the concrete. <laughs> that would there... be insane if we miss that. <laughs> we're, we're driving away and we miss Fine, an avalanche splatting <laughs> on, no, 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 no. on the city floor. We, we drive away, we just do a... Oh, well, actually, this roll, even if they fail, and then the I guess building it, falls then I just it. have to roll the fall damage if they fail. Like, now the Aboleth is outside the tower, so there's no rubble Are we going to talk about how it people just watched a giant fish monster just fall out of the tower <laughs> before the tower collapsed? That's going to be on conspiracies for years. For sure. <laughs> so unceremonious, this Aboleth's death. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, dude, right, here's, here's the roll. Their their collective sort of the average of their athletic scores okay. is one point worse than their collective slate of hand score. So this is plus a plus seven, seven to the roll. Oh, ooh, okay. So to beat a twenty five, they need an eighteen or higher because attacker wins in a tie. So they need an eighteen or higher. All right, all right. I've got the die right here. Oh. It's a five. Let's go! They drop the Aboleth as they leap out of the tower. The Aboleth falls. They were on, what was that, the 47th floor? Uh, 48? No, no, that was the pool. So the pool's a little bit lower than that. The pool was on. That's right. I think it was still in the 20s. So we get the full 20d6 of fall damage. Heck yeah. Uh, Let's see here. All right. I'm going to try and remember. Six times 20 is what we're hoping I'm trying to remember if this works. No. Um, okay, so you would have to roll one d one d twenty at a time up there. We're not going to do that. I'm going to roll a pile of d six over here and see how much damage they take. I mean, can't you can't um, you actually, spawn die? Everybody rolls. On each of us roll. Um, roll five. 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 Well, yeah. Each of you roll five d six. I'm going to roll four d six, and the first person in chat to use exclamation mark roll. Wait, six. wouldn't that be? We'll roll wait. the next d six. Like the command would look like this. Wait, no, it'd be if it was five of us. Then we would all roll four d six. Sure. Yep. Then everyone roll four, and I'm gonna roll three. Okay. Cool. Okay. And then we'll add them all up. And I demonstrated for you, chat, how to do it. I got above average roll. The same. Above average roll, gang. Everybody. We also don't know the max health of an abolith. I'm deliberately not revealing the max health of an Aboleth to you. Yeah, I know. All right, chat rolled a five. That's a nice high damage roll for chat. Mm-hmm. Chat chat okay. is above average gang. Who else is a part That's of above right. average gang? So let me mark down chat's roll right I am here. Not. Okay. Uh, Jake, what's your total? 15. Tisk, tisk. 
Got a 15. That's that's above average. Above average game. Uh, Cleo, what's your total? Uh, 16. 16. Uh, Wash, what's your total? Hashtag 15 game. 15. And Trevor, what's your total? Nine. Nine. Get out of here. And then chat and I together rolled... 55 so far. Chat and I together rolled the most uh, out of any any of this group. Who am I missing? I've, flex, only got, okay. I've only got 60. four on here. One, two, three, four. Nope, I'm wrong. I've got five. Uh, oh, okay. What a four on. Let me... <laughs> <laughs> Forehead. Yeah, Forehead. Come on. So max damage is 120, right? We're, we're at... Whatever 20 times 20 is, 400. What do you mean 20, 20 times six would it's be... Six times 20. Yeah, you're right. 120 it is. <laughs> Sorry, if we were supposed to be rolling D20s, overbalanced. that's a difference. I think in AD&D, uh, fall damage could end up being in D20s. Wait, what did, what I don't you, know if there was ever a terminal velocity cap to... What, what, what did you roll, Josh? Uh, really? In AD&D, if I remember correctly. That's hilarious. I, d- I didn't know that. I never played AD&D. I just read it a little bit. I did in What did school. you roll, uh, roll Josh? What did I rock? What did you rock? I rolled higher than you all. Well, I, I know we got uh, 60 so far, including what chat rolled. Okay. The Aboleth did not die on impact. Ooh. But, but it did get splat. There is rubble falling towards it, and it did go splat, and it's out on the land. Can they breathe air? I never thought of that. Yes, the Aboleth can breathe air and water. Oh. Okay. Not necessarily earth or fire, though. Can it move oh, okay. on land? Can Say they again? move on land? Slowly. Like, do they slither they around? Slither. Yeah. Uh, I think rolls. they probably do the tentacle walk. It's got a five-foot flop speed. <laughs> <laughs> it's a magic carpet. uses splash. Oh. Um, this Aboleth has perished. Let's yes. go. What? Killed an Aboleth. Although I guess Fox doesn't really know... But yeah, between the splat and the rubble and the things, this Aboleth has perished. So wait, are you telling and me as Fox that- drives away with Jeb in hand, just being like, I only cared about Jeb. And the rods. Yeah, I only cared about Jeb, but saving the world, I guess, was <laughs> along the way. As, uh, <laughs> as far as advancing the plot or the mission, uh, these were the most productive six sessions we've ever had, I think. <laughs> True. <laughs> It's because we got to think ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Fox's new power thinking ahead. Uh, all right, I think I think that uh, is going to wrap us up for tonight's stream. Next Monday, Alan's conducting Job interviews. interviews. <laughs> uh, Alan and Radford are conducting interviews. Um, maybe we'll see a little good cop, bad cop. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, but for now, uh, from all of us here at Wing Badger Gaming, thanks for hanging out. We will see you next Monday. We might see you before then. My wife, uh, Will of the Wisp, has been doing some blind Tears of the Kingdom playthrough. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm, far, she fun. has not played the game not on stream. So her entire journey is there in the Twitch VODs. Ooh, that's awesome. Um, if she continues to do that, you might Ooh. see us throughout the week. Otherwise, you'll see us next Monday. Until then, Cleo, what do we tell the people? <clears throat> All right. Listen. <laughs> Hear me out. We're going to hear you GG's out. and well you and me at the end of the video kind of awkward kind of waiting for you to subscribe and you know all that and you know I'm I'm just I'm just I'm just going to head out